Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Afternoon. It's uh, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. On the, did I just say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's afternoon somewhere. It's for our <laughs> listeners in Australia today. We hope you're having a great afternoon and throw a shrimp on the barbie for Gary and I. All right, that's the way it's going to be today. I get it. I was looking for a weather report to let everyone know, how, you know, how to dress today or anything coming up. And uh, our weather report officially uh, is it's drizzling a little at Gary's house. So Would you like to? All you need to know, I mean, of course, you know what, real fast on that, Chris, when I was uh, maybe eight, nine years old, my father used to work for radio stations, and they did these remote They broadcasts. had radio back then when you were eight or nine. Well, they did them at these, like, big Winnebago trailers when they did remotes. That's how ra- those radio stations did it. And they were uh-huh. at some store, restaurant or something, and I remember the DJ's name was Bruce Herbert. Again, I was like seven, eight years old, and they're coming back mm-hmm. from a commercial, and he goes, oh, no, i got to give you the temperature. What's the temperature outside? I go, it's about 67. And he comes back, and he goes, the official weather service temperature is 67 degrees. <laughs> I felt so honored that he used my temperature. I mean, it really meant a lot to me. Until I grew older and I realized it was nothing. But at the time, I just thought I was so important, giving the official temperature. It's all. It, it, now you know. You're like uh, you grew up to go. Yeah, radio. It's pretty much. A, it's all a sham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is drizzling. Actually, uh, uh, officially today, uh, it's going to be. We've got some uh, scattered showers today to cool everything off. High today only about 83. Low tonight 70 degrees. And uh, we hope you have a great day today because we are all celebrating together. Are you getting? Are you sitting down for this? Yes. It's National Waffle Iron Day, huh? Where would we be as a society without the waffle iron? Is there a National Waffle Day though? On top of that, or in addition? Oh, I'm sure there is. The uh, first waffle iron was made by General Electric in 1911, back around the time where you were impressed about radio <laughs> temperatures. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I thought that this was just a, a, a joke, but I guess it's true. In 1974, Nike used a waffle iron to make a sole for their first running shoe. I always thought that that was a big joke. But I guess they poured some rubber into a waffle iron and voila. That can't be true, can it? Yeah, no, it is. It is. Look it up, I guess. Google it, baby. It's on the Internet. All right. It's a, it's on the Internet. It's got to be true. <laughs> It's a couple of minutes after 6 o'clock, and you can uh, get in on the action. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of action today at 808-296-1420. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open for you, and we're getting closer and closer to free agency, and we got some big trades already. Yeah, and before we go there, I think a lot of people wondered to the answer to this question, what came first, the waffle or the waffle iron? Is that on the Internet? 
I guess it would have to be the waffle iron. Okay. Because how are you going to make a waffle without a waffle iron? Maybe a toaster. Okay, so let me start this all. Let me start this all over again. A lot of trades in the uh, uh, free agency <laughs> coming up in the NBA, and some key trades made. Yeah, I think the big one yesterday. Now's the time you, you drop you drop the waffle iron talk oh, okay. and get into basketball. I, I was to, captivated you know, by that. Helping I, you I, along I celebrate. I'm going to go out to the store and get one later. Anyway, so the trade yesterday was interesting. You might have heard about it, but the New York Knicks did give up a couple more players. They're giving half their roster, apparently, to the Detroit Pistons. But they got rid of a couple of guys that are going to help them with the salary cap. So Nerlens Noel, there was rumors that the um, – Clippers were negotiating with the Knicks, but the Knicks just wanted to get rid of contract. They saved $18 million with Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks. Now, Detroit says they plan on keeping both of those guys, so that's on their part. The interesting thing to me, and we're going to ask Kurt Heelan about it from Pro Basketball Talk later on this hour, is the Knicks also gave up a couple of second-round picks and $6 million in cash. What did the Knicks get back? We don't think there's anything. I mean, there has to be something coming back, but nobody has that in their reporting of this trade that the Knicks got anything in return. I imagine it's going to be something like maybe a trade exception, which allows you money to pay a guy when you get him in a trade, a mid-level exception for a veteran, things like that. But I can't find what the Knicks are getting in return, but it's a good move for them. And what that trade did was open up the Knicks to maybe offer Jalen Brunson tomorrow six hours and one day from now when a free agency starts at noon our time to give Jalen Brunson maybe a four-year, $110 million contract. For whatever reason, and it's with the salary cap and things like that, the Knicks can actually offer Jalen Brunson more than Dallas. And I, I didn't see the ex- exact explanation, but it had to do with the salary cap and where they are and all that, and that the Knicks right. have enough space to give them a max deal. So – we know he loves Dallas, but his father is now an assistant coach with the Knicks. He grew up not too far away, and a lot of people are now thinking that he's going to the Knicks. But two weeks ago, as soon as the NBA Finals were over, almost two weeks ago, it seemed like everybody was in agreement that Jalen Brunson is staying with the Dallas Mavericks. So even though everybody's saying the opposite now, as I say often, I'll believe it when it happens. But that's what it looks like. Mm. And we'll hear, again, just like when free agency used to start on July 1st, tomorrow at noon we're going to hear about all these signings that can't become official until about a week later. And then we'll hear them all over again. And that's just the way it goes with NBA free free agency and trade. Now, the other trade that you were talking about, the Denver Nuggets. Can we stay on this for a second? Stay on this for a second? Sure. uh, So the Dallas Mavericks. So, okay, Jalen Brunson is, uh, you know, he he might be considered he's a guy that would score more points than he actually does you saw him in the playoffs he did really really well for dallas he was basically scotty pippen to uh luca's michael jordan right so he was the uh he he was the he was the g2 guard two if this was fantasy football where luca is the g1 right so he's a g2 who wants to be a g1 and that's who he would become if he plays for the New York Knicks. I'm thinking that's the train of thought, at least on words coming from his dad. His dad is commenting on it. And, the um, you know, he averaged 16 points. This is during the regular season, I guess. Yeah, regular season. 16 points, about five assists. Obviously the number two guy offensively on that team. Now, if Luka didn't have to handle the ball as much as he does, I'm guessing Brunson scores more than 16.3 points a game. 
remember those playoff games that Luca missed beginning of the playoffs because he had that injury in the last game right. of the regular season. And Brunson, right. I believe, don't quote me, well, you can, I think he had a 40-point game and he had a few 30-point games in Luca's absence. So we really could see if he's the main focus as well as the point guard, what he can accomplish. And I think that's what the Knicks yeah. are banking on. Yeah, he really, really did shine a lot yeah. in that first round and throughout the playoffs. Yeah, he, one game he scored 41, another game he scored 31. But he averaged 21 points during the playoffs. Here's and You were asking about Miami and, uh, you know, why they can't afford him or whatever it was, right? Yeah. You know, Miami seems – Luka Doncic is making $37 million. And it's going to be shocking of what I say is that's a bargain, right? Yeah. $37 million. Spencer Dinwiddie. Is paid uh, twenty-one million. It's a lot for Spencer Dinwiddie. Sorry, Tim Hardaway Jr. Just about twenty million dollars. Uh, Davis Bertans. Do you know what is that? Is uh, something guy, called a Davis Bertans from Latvia, who scores about like yeah, yeah, and he, he scores about four points a game, and he plays about I don't know what fifteen minutes a game or something like that. Does he only average four? Something like that. Let wow. me look it up. But he okay. they're paying him $16 million. $16 million. Let's look at his stats. He played in 56 games. So, what, about two-thirds of the games? Uh, okay. Let's see. He's a 90% free throw shooter. I don't know how many free throws he actually took. Uh, he will give you two rebounds a game, half an assist, .2 blocks, and, oh, five points a game. Wow. Pay that guy $16 million. <laughs> and you, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. yeah. It's Maxi Kleber. Uh, Maxi Kleber Clay is one of the – he's one of my favorite um, Mavericks. And he gets way more playing time. They, they got a deal. They got him at $9 million. Uh, that was his salary. Uh, that's his salary in 22-23. But Dwight Powell, $11 million. Something called Christian Wood, $14 million. Boy, when you talk about Mark Cuban taking care of his, his players, he certainly takes care of his players. But it leaves him with guys on the roster like Frank Nidilinikina, or whatever that guy's name is. Yeah. Right? I think, yeah. yeah. That's market value these days. For Christian Wood, it's market value. For Spencer Dinwiddie, it's market value. And he's a good player. A couple of those wow. others. And Powell's been okay for them. Uh, there was one player you had in the mix there. The $16 million one it was ridiculous, yeah, for, for Bertans. That, you know, he uh -huh. was a good three-point shooter for the Spurs, and he went to the Wizards. I thought he was okay. I thought he might have averaged a little bit more. But obviously in this last year, not quite as much. So, yeah, he's overpaid. But the other guys, I think, is kind of the market rate. It seems crazy to say $14 million is what he would deserve for a player with those numbers. But nowadays, that is. I mean, if you're if you're putting up a little mm -hmm. bit more than that, you're getting twenty-five to thirty-five million for starters. Wow. So for twenty, if you scored, yeah, Dinwiddie about fourteen points a game, four rebounds, five assists. He's a quality. He's a quality player. But again, that's a team that has. They're lucky because what's going to happen when you start getting into the forty-seven, fifty-something million-dollar-year range? For Luka Doncic, which is inevitable yeah. Yeah. in the very, very near future, you're gonna you're gonna be filled with Frank Neely, Ting, Kitty Neely, that guy. Well, the, you gotta remember also one thing: Bertans, 
and Dinwiddie, and there might be one other player, they got traded for Porzingis. So Porzingis had a pretty big contract, which means those salaries had to be within, what, 10 15% of each other. And I'm not sure if there were draft picks in that trade as well. Uh, so they took on these contracts. I would imagine a guy like Bertans, his con- I bet this is his last year. So maybe they'll get an expiring contract so they don't mind it as much because they'll have cap space. Even though, again, yeah, he, he's overpaid for sure. Uh, the salary cap Tanner Hayworth, up. Tanner Hay- Tanner Hayworth back in the booth says the Bertans deal was Bart was from Washington. It's the only way they could make Porzingis go away, so they had to do that. I guess. That's what Thank I just you, said. Tanner. Okay. Well, you got it from Tanner, I think. <laughs> Tanner said it a lot more clearly than you did. It How took you a long time to get to that. Tanner got he, it done in one sentence. He didn't explain the why. But that's how they get go back those to the contracts. waffle iron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, it stopped drizzling out here, so you're safe for traffic today. Eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open for you. You know, when you talk about this this whole deal with all of the Knicks going over to the 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 Detroit Pistons, and you mentioned the name Nerlens Nerlens Noel. I can't believe he's still in the league. Yeah, you almost forget about him when he was on OKC for a while. When they were there, well, they still are in their pretty bad years. Uh, He had a couple of bright years maybe with Philadelphia, but he's more of a defensive presence. He's not going to give you 15 points, not even 12, but he's actually one of the better shot blockers in the NBA. I I think he averaged maybe close to one a game last year, but I believe he was in the top Mm. five in the league for shot blocks per game. And that's what they used him for. He wasn't a starting center, except what Mitchell Robinson was out and Taj Gibson was maybe not going to get the role. So he started a handful of games for them. But, yeah, he's very limited offensively. And he's another guy, yeah. unfortunately, for some of those Kentucky Duke guys that never lived up to the hype coming into the NBA. And he was an example of that. But, yeah, I'm yeah, right. He's still in the league in a way as well. Right. So he's he's been in the league for 10 years. Um and he he has you know he's a he's a role player he's bounced around he's been in yeah. the league for ten years, and he's played for five teams. But here's a guy number six pick overall by New Orleans way back when. And I guess he got traded to the Philadelphia 76ers, one of those deals or something. But you know you expect a lot more than what you get out of Nerlens Noel. It's 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 kind of it's kind of disappointing, I'll especially with how good he was in college. I'll say it again that I, I've seen enough players that are one and dones who would be better served in their NBA career to stay in college a year or two to develop. When you leave after your freshman year, you're going to get a lot of money, and that's, I know, a big goal. But are you ready to maintain an NBA career where you're going to be uh, an established starter? And I bring up Alex Lent from Maryland, Jaleel Okafor from Duke, Jabari Parker yeah. from Duke. You know, Jason Tatum, yeah, you it know, worked out great, but the other guys, no. Yeah, uh, Alex Len. From Maryland, you know, I remember he was real raw coming out, and but he was strong. He was tough, as Artie Wilson would say. He had a lot of dog in him, right? I mean, this yeah. guy, he came out. He was a he was a tough guy, and you know, it it was crazy that he left that soon. He obviously wasn't refined for the NBA. Now, I believe back then they had the G League back then, right? Oh, I'm pretty sure they yeah they had the G okay. League back then. But, you know, I think he was like the fifth pick. That was the draft where Anthony Bennett went number one. Victor oh. Oladipo, I think, was two or three. It was a weak draft. I mean, Anthony Bennett, we know his career, which wasn't anything to speak of. Alex Lendo is still in the league. I think he was either on Sacramento 
or Portland. He got traded this year, but he was on Atlanta a couple of years ago. He was on Washington before that, Phoenix. He's been around the league a lot, but, yeah, he – I mean, and he's made money, but if he would have stayed a year and developed, as I said, I'll bet his, his free agency deals would have been a lot more than probably the veterans minimum that he's been getting lately. Yeah. The reason you don't know if he's in the league or not is because he plays for the Sacramento Kings. Oh, he's still at Sacramento. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But he's, but he, wow, he's been, uh, so he's with the, uh, in 2000, he was with the Suns, the Hawks, the Kings, the Raptors, the Wizards, back to the Kings. Uh, you know, that's what, you know, hey, not putting down a career as an NBA basketball player, still making millions and millions of dollars. That's a lot of dough, Gary. <laughs> but at the same time, it's some of these guys. Anyway, we're getting off track. I want to get to the other trade that we're talking about. We'll do that next here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curran Show. This is ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. It's going to be partly cloudy today. By the way, it stopped drizzling at Gary's house. If you guys in the Waikele area were wondering about that, winds are going to be out of the east-northeast at 12 miles per hour, 75 degrees right now. Kind of muggy uh, today, but we'll get you through it. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, the sports animals in the morning on the Bobby Curran Show. We're talking about NBA free agency because it is getting hot and heavy already. Well, yeah, and I get tomorrow we'll hear about a lot of deals being done. Now, a couple of the big names that are out there, like a James Harden, uh, Zach Levine, they're expected to resign with their current club. Levine, of course, with the Bulls. We know about Harden with Philadelphia. Maybe not long-term for Harden, as we discussed yesterday, but the names that are big out there uh, don't appear. And, of course, with Kyrie and Russell Westbrook, they opt in. So they're not going to be free agents, but they still could be on the move. So the bigger names that we thought might be on the move aren't, but we still got, I think, the biggest name that could, well, definitely will move according to what the Phoenix Suns have said, maybe not publicly, is that DeAndre Ayton will not be a Phoenix Sun. Uh, they won't Why? Match an Ar- they, they were not impressed with him. And think about that. Number one pick overall, never made an all-star team. He's actually not really put up great numbers. He's not been bad, though. I think they're giving up on a guy see if they give up on him they don't want to match an offer and overpay him okay who are you going to get to be your starting center yeah okay and here's a guy that uh we were just talking about nerlens nor no well okay that guy is a guy that you trade around and you play for five or six teams in 10 years but deandre ayton was it last year was it in the bubble was it the year before i can't remember i mean he was an all-star type player at least it's hard to be on the all-star team I mean, only how many guys get on the all-star team? 12, uh, I believe. 15? 12 on each. I think 12? 12 on each. So, I, I mean, and especially since they don't go by position anymore, correct? Well, they don't go by center anymore. You just have three forwards and two guards. Okay. So, I don't know. I just think it's it's harder for centers to get on an all-star team as well. Because, the you know, the, 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 the game has kind of changed. What centers are on the all-star team? Uh, well, Giannis isn't a center. Joel Embiid is a center. Uh, he's okay. on the all-star team. Um, That's one. To, Rudy Gobert's you, 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 been an all-star. 
but you, you see where I'm getting yeah, oh, at? Oh, yeah, of course, it, of course. It, it, it's, so I don't know that if they're expecting him to be on the all-star team. And, and I think even more importantly, what you just said is, is that, okay, you know what? <laughs> Who are you going to get to replace him? Are they trying to save money? I don't get it. Maybe there's something internal. Maybe the guy's got a bad attitude. Maybe he doesn't get along with Chris Paul or something. We haven't heard that, and it could be that, of course. It just, but again, what I've read uh, repeatedly, even during the season, is that he just never really improved, never really stepped up his game or elevated. But you're right. When they went to the finals in 21 last year against mm-hmm. Milwaukee, I thought he was good. I don't know about all-star numbers, but he was more than adequate, better than average. So, I mean, and I'm looking at one article here which even says that it, it, it's incredible how much he'll mean to Phoenix and how much Phoenix means to him. Still, though, Phoenix has not has really indicated they're not going to match an offer, and I'm reading that Atlanta is one of the teams that really has a high interest in getting him, which is interesting because they got a guy named Clint Capella who's not that bad in Atlanta. Mm. You know, the um, – the, okay, so because – DeAndre Ayton is a restricted free agent. Really, he's considered the top restricted free agent. So someone yeah. has to make an offer, right? That's how that works? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not how it works. It works is that if you're restricted, the team that you're leaving has, has like a few days to match the offer. If you're gotcha. unrestricted, you could like Kyrie Irving, if he opted out for the Nets, didn't, or didn't opt in as it was, could have gone to the Lakers and the Nets didn't have a right to match the offer. But if you're okay. restricted, the team has a right to do that. You know, Tanner Hayworth back in the uh, back in the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu is chopping at the bit. He's texted us like six times. Tanner, just open your mic. Because <laughs> he has some good points. He I just didn't want to interrupt your guys' points. I felt no, I didn't want to interrupt. No, that's okay. Gary interrupts me all the time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm just joking. I interrupt Gary all the time. But on okay, the, Tanner, but Tanner, on the, I want to hear your thoughts. Right, so on the DeAndre Ayton situation, like I agree with you guys that I feel like the Suns really do need a guy like DeAndre Ayton because he is that pick-and-roll pair for Chris Paul. Unfortunately, from I, this is from his agent that DeAndre Ayton did want a max contract with the Phoenix Suns, and the Phoenix Suns probably are not comfortable with giving him a max contract because he's debatably, maybe he's not, he's, in the bottom of the top 10 centers, probably. Right, wow. that's what I was saying. I mean, he, he wanted more money. They said he wasn't worth it. I mean, he hasn't been an all-star. He hasn't improved. See, but more money and max contract, that, there's a difference there, isn't there? I mean, more how much money, money is, is he making contract. now? How much um, money is he making now? I don't know exactly. I mean, he, he was the number one pick three years ago, uh, probably about $5 million a year, somewhere in there. Yeah, so more money means $10 million to me. But well, max contract is how much? Uh, for his service, it would probably be in the twenty million range, somewhere in there. Yeah, that's a big raise. I can see why they're. But he hasn't been an all he hasn't been an all NBA player yet, so he's not going to get the supermax or any of that stuff. But right. But I get that. I, I was could, saying they're not going to. They don't want to overpay for him. They don't think he's worth that kind of money. Right. But Tanner's saying max contract. And I'm thinking, you know what? I would. You know, I'm not sure that I would want to pay the guy a, a max contract either. Which, again, which is Phoenix doesn't want to overpay for him. So, no matter. Right. And, I mean, if, if it was like only $10 million, I don't think that would be a problem because that's way, way below market value in the going rate for a starting yeah. center. What I'm getting at is that uh, um, Tanner was a little more specific than you. <laughs> you know, it'd be good if actually, instead of me and Tanner giving all these points, I'll try something different. Chris will have an actual fact or a 
you know, his big, here's my here's an actual fact. He makes uh, eight million dollars. Uh, let's see, he started at eight million dollars a year. He's a guy that's at twelve point six million dollars a season right now. He's at twelve point six now. Yeah, not five million. You said five million. He's at twelve point six for twenty uh, twenty one to twenty two. That's his base salary. Wow. Uh, it's called a fact, Gary. It helps out the show. Yeah, Try it to, sometime. I'm gonna have to double check that. I'm not sure if I can trust you. Okay. All right. It is twelve million. <laughs> oh, there's two people who says it is twelve million. Again, I won't say what I was thinking, but all right, let's put a little bet on it. Fifty bucks to uh, <laughs> fifty bucks to uh, the Alzheimer's Association. Fifty How about bucks. What, why don't we do double or nothing for what you owe me from the last time you owed me fifty bucks from a few years ago? All right, so we're even. Now we're going to start something <laughs> fresh today. That's going to be awesome. Hey, real quick, he, Kurt Heelan from NBC Sports, an expert on the NBA, is going to join us in a moment. Uh, Miles Bridges, another restricted free agent. What are we talking about here? 20-point game scorer for the Charlotte Hornets, and they don't want to give him a max deal, but Mitch Kupchak, remember him? He's a GM yes. under Michael Jordan, and he said, we're getting him back here. We're not letting him go. Uh, but if they don't if they don't give him what he wants, I don't know how that'll work out. Again, he's a good player, solid player, consistent and putting up really good numbers. And I, I mean, when when you're a rookie in your second deal, you're not getting LeBron James, Steph Curry, James Harden type money, the forty million plus. I don't know why you wouldn't give those young guys who are good like a Bridges mm -hmm. the max available the max available for them after those years of service. Again, it's not going to be crazy money. Uh, yeah. I would, again, imagine somewhere in the $20 million range for those kind of guys. And the, with um, When you look at some of the Charlotte Hornets don't seem to, like, they pay a lot of money. It seems like they're, Michael Jordan is like the Oakland A's of the NBA. Oh, no, he's not like that at all. I mean, not that bad? Like not that, that bad? Okay. He's not the Cincinnati Bengals. But they, they, I mean, they got <laughs> Gordon Hayward from the, um, from the Celtics. I, he was making a lot of money when they got him, and he's been he's, hurt he's a lot. He's their highest. I believe he's their highest paid player at thirty million. Does that make sense? Thirty yeah. million dollars for Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Um, Terry Rozier, twenty-one million. Lamelo Ball, I think right now. I think Lamelo Ball at eight point six million dollars is a deal. Well, his rookie contract. So it wasn't anything to negotiate. Right. But I wonder if they do things like they do in the uh, in the NFL, where they're like, okay, you know what? Let's make this guy happy now, or do they wait until the contract's over? This is a team that hasn't won a playoff series since, I believe, 2001 or two. Just saw that recently. So I mm -hmm. think they'd want to lock up some guys or the guys that are really good and try to actually get to the playoffs first and then maybe win a series. So Ball would be the answer to that. I would think they would want to pay him to make sure they don't have to worry about him wanting to leave and dealing with an Anthony Davis, James Harden, Kyrie situation. Get this guy locked in. Yeah. I mean, you have Miles, Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball and, you know, Terry Rozier. I mean, you got a good, pretty good base there, right? Yeah, something I, to I mean, build with. Rozier, first time in a long time. You would think, but again, they still not even close to the playoffs. And last year they were in the play-in tournament and got destroyed. I forget who it was, but they didn't do good in that tournament. And you know, they had Montrez Harrell, who I really like. I mean, he was a Sixth Man of the Year for the Clippers. Oh, sure. He gets traded to Charlotte. He got some legal trouble a few weeks ago while driving. But I think he's a really good addition for that team as well. They're not that far away. They have one of the Zeller brothers who really had not done much more than Nerlens Noel in his NBA career. But when you got again, when you got Ball and you got Rozier has been pretty good, you would think with these lottery picks, uh, they'd be a lot better. And then again, not even making the playoffs or winning in a series since Jordan took over. Jordan mm -hmm. has not experienced that sweet smell of success with Charlotte at all. 
All right. I want to get into, and we don't have time now, but maybe P.J. Tucker, Kevon Looney, uh, Nurkic uh, from the Trailblazers. There's still some guys that are in the conversation. But we're going to go to the expert, Kurt Heelan from NBCSports.com. Coming up next with the Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And the Sideline Hawaii app. All right, we've been rumbling, bumbling, and stumbling on the NBA for 30 minutes. Let's get the expert in here, Gary. Yeah, it's been a while, but we are so glad to be talking once again from ProBasketballTalk.com, part of NBCSports.com. Kurt Keelan back on the show. Kurt, free agency, as we know, starts tomorrow, about five and a half hours and a day from now. One of my questions that I'm kind of curious about is P.J. Tucker. And the reason I ask that, he leaves Milwaukee, they win the NBA championship, he goes to Miami, and now he wants to leave Miami. Why doesn't he not want to stay there? He might end up there, but a lot of it is kind of money and I think a little bit fit. When, when It's kind of crazy, and it really shows his value. He's 37, and teams are stumbling over them over themselves to get him a three-year contract, guys. Like, unless your name is LeBron, like nobody wants to give you that many years at age 37, but he's been that valuable. Um, Philadelphia stepped up early um, and, and – raise the bar man they, they, they want to bring in three years 30 million basically um he likes to the fit there he likes the idea miami is now talking about if not getting all the way there to matching that getting there pretty close and then we could play the state tax game uh maybe maybe he decides he wants to stay with the heat but right now uh, just talking to people around the league the buzz is that uh tucker's kind of enamored with the idea of playing a role in you know with Harden with Joel Embiid with Tyrese Maxey and and taking Philly to the next level so it looks like he's going to land in Philly and I know Joel Embiid made comments about that when they got eliminated by Miami a couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago I guess now another thing I'm I'm curious about the Knicks make that trade yesterday we talked about it on the show dumping uh, some salary with Nerland Noel and Alec Burke and the two second round draft pick, six million dollars in cash. I know the Knicks have to get something in return to make the trade work. What do they get back? Um, it, actually, because it's going to the Pistons, it's it's largely into cap space. Um, the Pist- it, the trade doesn't technically execute until after the first year, but the, Detroit's going to have a bunch of cap space. They did it on draft night too. They, they were they're able to absorb because they have the cap space. They can take on these contracts without sending. They're sending. They're getting some picks in advance. They're not sending much of consequence back. You you only have to match salary if the if you don't have cap space. Detroit is taking on those contracts to get draft picks and some flexibility going forward uh, because they've got a young team and they can afford to do it. Uh, they they were going to spend they were going to spend some of that money and still will spend some of their cap space on free agents. But like they were saving up some of that money to go after DeAndre Ayton, and then they went. And, drafted a center on, on on the night of the draft, and now they're like, yeah, you know, we're probably not going to do that. So they're they're adding some flexibility in draft picks and players, but mostly just stuff that they can – they might move in future future drafts to to build this team around, you know, Cade Cunningham and, and Jaden Ivey. Well, the moves the Knicks have made are to clear the cap space for them so they can get Jalen Brunson. What are your thoughts on that move if it indeed happens? 
Hey, look, Jalen Brunson's a really good player who's about to get paid. Like, a really good player, frankly. Hey, I guess it's how good you think he is. You know, it's funny. They're talking extension with Fred Van Vliet in, in Toronto for you know, about the same money, about $110 million over four years, which is about what it's going to be. I think they're kind of similar players. I don't think it's – I think it's a good fit, like in the sense that Brunson is – plays on both ends, has shown this year in the playoffs that he can step up. But it's also not – he's not an alpha, right? Like, what, what have you got there now? You've got R.J. Barrett, who you're hoping takes a step forward. Um, you've got to find Julius Randle and bring him back to form. Uh, there's been some talk about trading him, but it's hard to trade him. Look, his value's low after last season. It's just hard to move him for – for anything right now, they need to find a way to get him back. Maybe Brunson getting them better looks helps that. It certainly brings another score to the table. But that's a lot of money now invested in three guys who are good, but you look around the East and, yeah, I mean, get them to the playoffs, but against a Miami, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, you know, the top teams in the East, Boston, where does that really land them? They're nice. That's a good team, but it's not a great team. It's, a, it's the sixth seed. You can check out Kurt Heelan on Twitter at Basketball Talk as he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu. I wonder if the Knicks are the only team in the NBA then if they get Brunson that would have three left-handed starters because that's got to be a short list as well. <laughs> that's true, actually. It's going to be – actually, my favorite one now – my favorite stat of the day now is, you know, Ish Smith uh, got traded again yeah. probably this morning to, to Denver. That's going to make 13 teams. It will actually be an NBA record if he steps on the court for Denver, which is now my like, new favorite stat. Wow. And he's actually a good player. He's not that bad. He used to play in Philadelphia, yeah. and every time he would get an assist, the, pup, the PA announcer with a deep voice would go, the dish from Ish. And I used to love hearing that, but I think he's kind of underrated, but I saw that with his 13th team. You know, Kurt, speaking of players that might switch teams as well, Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook opted. It made sense to get those guaranteed dollars. Some people, it seems like, are saying, well, that means Kyrie returning to Brooklyn. But isn't there a chance they still do a sign-and-trade? Not really with the Lakers, and I, and I don't think in the short term. Um, with the Blake, the problem with making any kind of sign and trade with the Lakers is still it, just the logistics of the trade. It's why it's look. Irving wanted to come to the Lakers. The Lakers don't have a way to make it work. The only way to make it work is to trade Russell Westbrook. Frankly, you got to make it a three or four team deal because Brooklyn has no interest in Westbrook, and the Lakers just simply don't have enough trade ass like good young players slash trade picks left that they can trade to appease everybody they need to appease to make that kind of deal happen. So, I look, I'm not saying Irving is – that's it. He's coming to Brooklyn, and he's going to be there long term. I think that this – this him opting in because he didn't really have other options and, he, no, he was not going to play for the Lakers for $6.4 million and leave $30 million on the table. He, Irving's a little – he's not stupid. Um <laughs> But it just kicks the can for Brooklyn down the road a little bit. Like, they're going to still have to deal with Irving one way or another. And I think that their hope there, and, and I kind of get this, is, man, man, if we get Irving in and we get a healthy Durant and we get Ben Simmons in and, and he's actually willing to kind of play a role for us and be more Fremont than the guy who's got to have the ball in his hands and set the offense up every time and, and 
you know, and they still got Joe Harris, and they've still got Seth Curry, and and uh, you know, they can re-sign Nick Claxton. Like, there's some suddenly that team is a contender in the East, and I think their hope is, like in every sport, man, winning cures a lot of ills. Like, they're just hoping if, if that team looks really good, then Irving's happy and everybody's happy, and they can figure out a longer-term deal. Um, we'll see. If it starts to go sideways, though, it's really there's. Look, I heard. Irving really wants to get to the Lakers were the only other destination and it just financially didn't work. But if this starts to go sideways, maybe at the deadline, more likely next off season, the Lakers have a little more maneuverability. Maybe they can find a way to make this work. Um, it's just, I think it's gotta be on hold. They just couldn't do it right now. Right. And that makes sense. Of course. What other free agents out there starting tomorrow do you think will be changing teams this off season? Yeah, that's the thing. It's just not that, it's really kind of wild. Like the biggest names aren't Beal resigning, Irving, you know, just re-upped. Um, Zach Levine flirted with a bunch of teams, but he was never not. He was never. He's taking the bag, dude. He's he's, he's going to stay in Chicago. Um, and it's just kind of like that on down the line. It's fun to play the what if game, but most of the big names are resigning. This isn't a really deep class. I think the biggest names are going to be via trade potentially or sign and trades. DeAndre Ayton is looking for a landing place. That is probably the biggest name out there. He wants a max deal. I don't think there's one there for him right now anywhere. Um, once, once Detroit drafted a center and that dried up, I don't know that that – I mean, it's possible he ends up back in Phoenix on a – everybody holds their nose, short-term deal, and you know somebody's got to send him and Monty Williams to counseling and, and hope they can get through this. But, um, and they, they – they, and funny thing is, like, they're still a contender. Like, I didn't, you know, like, that's still a team that won more games than any team in the NBA last year. Um, it's not like he's landing in some horrible place, but I, I think that that may, some shorter term deal may end up being his best option because there's just, there's not, he's not Joel Embiid. He's not Nikola Jokic. He's good, but I don't know that he's max at center good because teams aren't spending at center like that right now. Unless you're one of you know Embiid, Towns, Jokic kind of guy. For NBA fans, free agency tomorrow. Summer league starts coming up a few days, as well as an mm-hmm. exciting month ahead. Kurt, great talking to you again. Hopefully, we can do it again from time to time. Uh, I love summer league. I, I, you know, you can't when you, you can be in Vegas in July when you can just like fry an egg on the on the sidewalk. <laughs> it's awesome. As long as the AC works. <laughs> yeah, right on. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. It's it's funny. The building is cold. They crank up the AC because there's so many bodies in there, and you still walk outside at night, and it's like it's it's 10:30 at night. It's still 92 degrees. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. (laughs) It's a dry heat, as they say. (laughs) Thanks, Kurt. Again, appreciate it. And love talking with Kurt. He's been a while since you and I have gotten to talk to him. But uh, free agency tomorrow, summer league. We forgot about the summer league. We'll focus on that. I'm sure next week we're seeing some of the rookies out there participate in Vegas. Yeah, that's kind of fun because it's it's you're filled with so much anticipation for the you know the new season and seeing these guys play with each other. I mean, a lot of the you know stars aren't going to play that many minutes or even at all in the summer league, right? Yeah, but, some, but you'll see enough of the first round draft picks, at least enough of them that'll be you know fun to watch because you know some of the right. players from last year that didn't get to play a lot of their NBA squads. Yeah, and you're seeing these new players, these rookies, these high draft choices in new uniforms. I know that seems weird, but it's kind of cool. You're like, okay, all right, I can I can get into this look, right? Yeah, definitely. DeAndre Ayton, DeAndre Ayton, it surprises me because 
we were just talking about guys who are overpaid and you know and and let me i don't know if you look at somebody like oh i don't know i'm trying to find an example but anyway there's so many guys that are, are seem overpaid in the nba and you were just saying earlier this hour well that's kind of you know what the you know what it costs to have these players you know a player that's like eh you know it's making 15 million dollars a year and so if DeAndre Ayton wants to make $30 million a year, I find it I find it funny interesting, not funny haha, that somebody's not going to pay him $30 million a year. And I guess it's just because he's a center. I think partly because he's a center. And not, it's not so much that he's not been an all-star, though. That's part of it. But the reason he hasn't been an all-star is that he hasn't been dominant. You know, he's been a little inconsistent, but he's above average. It's not like he's just okay and he's going to hurt you. He's still a really yeah. good player. It's just I don't think he's reached that top tier and maybe not even the top of the second tier, if that makes any sense. He's still worth a lot. And, again, I just think Phoenix will regret it because, again, who are they going to get to replace him? That's part of it. I uh-huh. just don't think him as, as a $30 million a year guy. But, again, a lot of players, as you said, we don't think right. of as getting as much as they are and they do, like Bertans earlier from the um, yeah. Dallas Mavs. Right, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think of Davis Bertans as a sixteen million a year guy. I don't see Dwight. Well, Dwight Powell's okay. I mean, he's a good role player at eleven million dollars. Uh, we got a text at the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, thank you for texting in. It says maybe it ain't Aiton. It's Chris Paul. Overrated. Zero titles. That's what the texter says. And I would bet there's a number of people that agree with him. There probably are. I, mean, I read the quote from Chris Paul last week where he said, what's going on with the NBA? I'm paraphrasing now, but we have the best record in the league and we're out in the second round of the playoff. The NBA basically saying that the NBA has got to do something about it. We deserve better. But you lost in a playoff like everybody else plays, four out of seven, all across the board, and you're complaining like it's the league's fault. The team with by far the best record is out early. That's on you, Chris. All right, let's get the traffic report here. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You're listening to The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. Switching gears a bit to baseball. You know, I don't very often feel sorry. For an athlete who makes uh, $162 million over six years. But I feel bad for Freddie Freeman. Well, I'm curious why you feel bad for him. I feel bad for the situation he's in, but I've never seen anything quite what he's involved with, with getting rid of his agent and also apparently Los Angeles Dodgers players were not happy with what Freddie did last weekend where he spent a lot of time in batting practice with his former teammates and that they still think he's caught up because of the emotions last week going back sure. to Atlanta and hanging out with the Braves. They have had internal talks, according to sources, to get it out of his system. I've never heard anything quite like that. And then firing your agent for getting that kind of a deal, but apparently he could have gotten something a little close at least in value equal value with atlanta and that's why he got rid of his rep but it's interesting the timing of it right after he visits atlanta maybe he remembers all the great times and of course the world series and a couple of days later gets rid of his agent wow this is a bizarre situation i don't know how bizarre it is i mean here's a guy it's interesting this is a guy that did never wanted to leave atlanta he wanted to stay in atlanta he wanted to live there he wanted to raise his family there and then retire there he loves living in atlanta that was number one in his life. And when his agents went, th- 
his agents, is it for XL? Is that yes. who the company is? Yeah, XL. So they basically, the Braves made a uh, five-year, $135 million offer. And then they came back and said, no, uh, we want something significantly higher. Um, they gave the team an hour to respond. We want something higher. You got an hour to get back to us. And so the Braves went up to $140 million. That wasn't close to what the agents were proposing. So um, I guess their hour deadline passed, and the Braves figured, okay, you know what? Um, you know, they're not going to get, the, you know, you know, we missed the deadline. He gave us an hour. We tried. So we're going to go out and sign this other guy. Uh, and then so they Matt signed Olson. the other guy. Who was it? Matt Olson from Oakland, a really good hitter. Really good hitter. Yeah, so uh, uh, they signed him to an eight-year, $168 million contract. So that ends any chance of Freeman to return. So in his mind, his agents botched up the deal, so we fired him. Yeah, but I wonder why the timing of it, again, why after just he just visited Atlanta. But I mentioned that he talked to one of the Atlanta, uh, it might have been one of the uh, GMs there, assistant GM, and got more of the story. Maybe that's why he did it. But apparently his agent said there's no offer on the table. So he hears there's no offer on the table, but there was an offer on the table. It just wasn't what they wanted, and maybe that's why he agreed to L.A. But the it was miscommunication or a lack of right. communication, I think. But why go, you have an hour to respond? I don't get it. I mean, if Freddie Freeman was in the room, would, would he advise them? Yeah, do that. Give him an hour to get back to me. I don't think so. But the fact that you bring up that his teammates are, uh, I don't want to say giving him the cold shoulder, but his teammates are like, hey, hey, get over it already. I want to build on that coming up next on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Just after 7 o'clock, sports animals in the morning on the Bobby Curran Show here. This is ESPN Honolulu. And uh, coming up, it's uh, we are going to, I want to get into that subject of Freddie Freeman and his uh, teammates on the Dodgers giving him the cold shoulder, so to speak. We'll get into that. It's going to be uh, mostly cloudy this morning and partly cloudy this afternoon. Uh, kind of breezy, high about 84. But overall, here in the 96701, looking pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Over here, it's pre looking pretty good, too, and the rain has stopped which is a big relief, at least to people in this neighborhood. So, All right. People important. are wondering what neighborhood you're talking Waikale. about. Waikale. Waikale. All right. Tanner Hayworth, hit the button. The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. Bye, bye, bye. Good, bye, bye, bye. good morning, guys. Let's go ahead and jump straight into today's Buy or Sell. Now, yesterday on the big podcast, Shaq <laughs> did what Shaq does and criticized modern centers. He decided to go. He decided to go at Rudy Gobert, saying how ludicrous it is. He didn't say ludicrous. That's probably too big for his vocabulary. It's how ludicrous it is that Gobert is being paid two hundred fifty million dollars. Saying we get a little bit petty, so there's a little bit of truth to our criticism. And in context, Gobert's five-year two hundred fifty million dollars. Shaq in his career made about. 
260 in his entire career. Wow. Buy or sell, Shaq should be frustrated if Gobert is being paid $250 million. Uh, at least uh, Rudy Gobert can shoot free throws. I am, I, I am selling that Shaq should be frustrated because Rudy Gobert, who is a defensive player of the year and an all-star, uh, making that kind of money. It's like Terry Bradshaw complaining about the money that Ben Roethlisberger makes. You were born too early, Shaq. Simply that. Now, the point is, Shaq probably make, is going to make a lot more in his lifetime as a television commentator than he ever made playing basketball. So maybe Shaq should just look for different content on the podcast. I'm selling. I'm selling as well for a little bit different reason, but the analogy I was going to bring up, like Michael Jordan complaining about what Shaq made. I mean, Michael Jordan played in an area where you're not getting that kind of salary. The keyword Tanner to me is frustrated. He should be maybe jealous, envious, but frustrated. No, I mean when you played, you got paid almost more than anybody else in the NBA at that time. So, mm. ten years from now, Rudy Gobert might be complaining about the next center if we have a next center ten years <laughs> from now in the NBA. So I don't think the frustration part should be there for Shaq, uh, but envious maybe a little bit. So I'm selling. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Last night, the Red Sox blew it against the Toronto Blue Jays, losing 5-4. Uh, to four. And in that final inning, the Red Sox were up one, and they were desperate need for a closer. Because guess what? The Red Sox closer, Tanner Houck, he can't play in Toronto because he is unvaccinated. And so the Blue Jays, in the bottom of the ninth, put through two runs, ending with a Vlad uh, Guerrero walk-off single and several members of the Boston media made their feelings heard on Twitter about missing Hawk last night, calling him selfish and all of the other stuff that a lot of people like to call unvaccinated players. Buy or sell. Hey, nice to see Boston keeping their players honest from time to time. Huh? I, actually, I actually want to hear Chris's response. I know he's, I have a feeling what he's going to say and I'm going to have a response too. But what do you think about that first, Chris? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Not exactly answering my question. Uh, you know, I, I think anybody who gets criticized for their stance on the vaccination process and all that, I, I, I don't go that way. I mean, I, I feel that everybody should have. I have my own beliefs. But to criticize or put down somebody, I, I think, is wrong, for whatever the reasons might be. I mean, we saw what happened with Rolo here, and he cost himself a job and all that. And it seems selfish. That the word I keep hearing with Kyrie Irving and others, I don't totally agree with that. I really don't. So I, I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing. The media should not have gotten on him. So I guess I'm selling. Look, the boss, you, you got 156 games. You knew that this guy is not vaccinated, right? It was 162 games. Whatever it is. <laughs> it's a lot of games is my yes. point. Um, you know, they've, 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 They've lost their last couple of games, but they were one of the hottest teams in Major League Baseball. I think it's politically incorrect nowadays to give your honest opinion on whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated nowadays. So I'm just going to leave that at that. Next. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Chris going window shopping for that one. <laughs> so finally, we got Freddie Freeman. Now, when Freddie Freeman left Atlanta for the Dodgers, it's safe to say everyone who's a baseball fan was left in shock. 
Now, after the Dodgers finished their series in Atlanta and Freddie had his very emotional press conference and a lot of his other activities with, for, with his brave teammates, Freddie fired the agency that represented him last season. Buy or sell, Freddie is going to be miserable in L.A. for the next six years. I'm selling that, too. Miserable, making all that money, being in the playoffs every year, maybe another World Series title. I, I think that'll cure the emotions and the feelings that he has from Atlanta in time. So I'm selling that. Yeah, I'm going to sell that. I think that Freddie, you, you know, eventually you get over the loss. And, you know, it's you can always go back and visit and all that kind of stuff. He misses players with his friends. He just hasn't made new friends yet. He needs to try and go out and make friends during recess time. And uh, he'll go home a lot happier at the end of the day. So I'm selling it. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And that's today's buy or sell on ESPN Honolulu. All right. Thank you, Tanner Hayworth. And there you go. Uh, that's how we do. Now, speaking of Freddie Freeman, when you talk about um, him firing his agents and stuff like that and, and spending more, I guess it's really him spending time during batting practice with his old pals as you're getting ready to do battle. This reminds me of the NBA Finals where the Golden State Warriors beat the Boston Celtics and immediately after, some of the Boston Celtics players, I don't know if it was Jason Tatum, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Marcus Smart, you know, hugging Golden State players and almost celebrating their victory. You just lost. The NBA Finals, and you're smiling and you're happy and you're holding on tight like a big hug to Clay Thompson, congratulating him. You're just overjoyed for him. I don't know if right after the game on the court, while your fans and some teammates are hurting that badly, that you're celebrating their victory. It's almost like Freddie Freeman hanging out with everybody for an expended period of time during batting practice while you're about to do battle against the team. It's one thing, I think, to go out and say hi. Hey, guys, what you doing? You know, chit-chat for a few minutes. You see NFL players doing that uh, during warm-ups and things, uh, you know, hours before their game starts. No big deal. But I guess it was the amount of time that he was spending in their batting cage area, Gary? Um, well, for a couple of things. I think it was the amount of time and that it was his former team and they don't feel he's over the Braves, especially when they realize what you said earlier, that he really didn't want to leave Atlanta, that he's right. spending time with the team. But I don't compare it at all with Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart wasn't celebrating their championship. Every player hugs everybody else on the team. It's one of the best things in sports is that you can battle each other, beat each other up for two weeks, and then be cordial and show good sportsmanship after. But that was different. That was after a series is over and they're right. just wishing each other well. Uh, I think that was it. And for Freddie Freeman, I think it's more just because it's his former team. If he did it with the Mets or the Astros or, you know, somebody else like Philadelphia, it wouldn't be any big deal. Nobody would mention it, and he wouldn't have any reason to. But the Dodger players, according to the reports on ESPN Honolulu Radio, uh, ESPN Honolulu what? earlier this week, that he, they were not happy about it. And it's been something that's been discussed internally in their clubhouse about his feelings with the Braves and hoping that he'll get over it. And, again, I've never really heard of anything quite like that before. I mean, you think they actually sat him down, or is it just, like, chitter-chatter? Or are we just talking 
is this National Enquirer radio? What did what what did they what what exactly did they say? Not exactly, but what did they say? What what's the rumblings on the team? The Besides, rumbling. I wish you would get over it. Yeah, to get it out of your system and be a Dodger, hundred percent, all in. Uh, I don't know if they sat it down. I imagine it wasn't a sit-down formal meeting, but I'm sure right. a few, I just have a feeling a few players and or the manager, Dave Roberts, uh, did talk to him about that because it was noticeable. And, again, it's just so different. But it's because of the former team. And you saw the emotions all weekend if you saw the videos. I mean, that was a little bit more than what we see from other players going back to their former home. I would hope that, you, you know, you got a superstar player on your team, but it's a team of superstars, and it's a team of free agents. Who is, you know, it's, you know, they they have enough money to pick and choose the best players in the league and assemble a baseball team. That's what they've done. So that's why I guess they're saying, hey, Mookie Betts isn't crying about wherever he came from or anybody else. Get over it already. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, 77 games in that how some people could say that. But I'm wondering, is it? One guy talking to the media, you know, or a couple of guys, and that's it. I wonder if it's the whole team that feels that way. The, the term when it was, I read, I heard the report was players. So it wasn't like one guy. It wasn't like Clayton Kershaw and just him. It made it sound like it was players, and I think that would be more than one, two, or three. How many exactly? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering if that's the, if the, that's the way the most of the team feels. That's what that's what uh, I'm wondering if they're just tired of going. Look at this guy. Okay, now he's crying during the press conference. Give me a break. Is it that kind of sentiment? Or, gosh, I wish he'd just get over this and, and you know, we'll all pull the wagon in the same direction here. Yeah, uh, he, he's super hot, by the way. In the last eight games, he scored 11 runs. He's hitting over 400, four homers. Uh, he's hitting right around 300. I mean, he's been one of the better players in Major League Baseball. I don't know if he's going to get MVP votes. Actually, I do think he'll get MVP votes as of right now. I don't know if he'd win it, but he's having a really good year, which says a lot. But really interesting, uh, everything going on behind the scenes and the Atlanta visit. And they gave him great ovations all three games of that series, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so basically he's he's uh, he doesn't he doesn't have a new agent. I did not know that. Um, at, at a time like this, when a superstar player who's making $162 million when he fires his agent, I guess traditionally it doesn't happen a lot, but then that player will get bombarded from agents, from just every agent that's out there going, get Freddie Freeman. I wonder if Scott Boris is on the line or camping out in front of his house. The, ML, the uh, Major League Baseball Players Association had to actually send an email out to agents asking him to, uh, you know, hey, give the guy some space. He's currently uh, unrepresented, but the Major League Baseball Players Association had to remind the players, hey, chill out, don't besiege the guy with emails and, you know, sleeping at his doorstep or sending gifts. And I've never heard of anything like that before either, that it was even necessary or part of the deal that it was possible because it doesn't situation. happen that often, yeah. where you, have, you know, in the middle of the season, this guy, usually it's like, okay, you know what, I have a new uh, agent, I'm going to fire this one. This one's, mm. you're fired, and, uh, you know, I'm going to hang out on my own. Right, it's kind of right. a reverse order of how things have been uh, going. Really, 16 really. minutes after the hour with the sports animals in the morning on the Bobby Curran Show here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, coming up, we've got another traffic check. And there's a lot to go over still in the NFL, um, Rainbow Warrior Sports, and more. All coming up with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. 
The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by Dr. Charles Arakaki at Ohana Men's Clinic. Visit drcharlesarakaki.com. All right, we will keep you updated with the uh, NBA free agency as uh, as the trades happen or proposed trades or uh, anticipated trades go on. We'll let you know here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, coming up, Leo Luna from you know, the GaslampBall.com. It's part of SB Nation. We're going to talk Padres baseball. Oh, in about 10 minutes here, you can always uh, chime in at 808-296-1420 on the Zephyr Insurance text line and uh or you can call 808-296-1420 i got a text here talking about when you're talking about the dodgers dodgers should (laughs) this is from the same texter that texted about chris paul dodgers should be worried about how much bellinger sucks instead of worrying about freddie good point he's hitting 211 211 no he was an mvp candidate two years ago Last year, he hit right around 200, couldn't get over 200 for a long time. People thought, okay, it's a one-year deal. He'll come back to his old self, and he's still an awful hitter with his batting average. I mean, it's almost 100 points less than what it was two, three years ago. How does that happen? He's still a really good outfielder, and he'll give you a home run every now and then. But, boy, from a guy who was one of their most important players to now a guy who's just sticking up the joint, basically. So I guess that's kind of right about the Dodgers worrying more about Bellinger and what he's been able to not accomplish, I guess, lately. Mm-hmm. I wanted to tie something in with baseball. We have a Padres guest coming on, and we were just talking about the Atlanta Braves a few minutes ago. There's another report. Remember about a month ago when we heard about Jock Peterson, now with the Giants, and Tommy Pham, who was with the Padres, and Tommy Pham slapping him in the outfield before a game? Pham mm-hmm. is on Cincinnati right now. And they were in the Fantasy Football League where Pham claimed that um, with Mike Trout being the commissioner, didn't enforce the rules, and that Jock Peterson illegally put a guy on IR to create a roster spot, and he was very mad. A $10,000 buy-in for all these MLB players. Well, we heard about that a few weeks ago, and then Pham got suspended three or four games. They played each other in San Fran last weekend. Jock Peterson asked the fans to be cordial and not, you know, throw stuff on the field from the outfield when Pham is in the field. <laughs> well, the Atlanta Brave players were interviewed. A few other players were interviewed in the last few days, and they said they knew about this last year, in fact, in the one series where they played towards the end of the season, Jock Peterson wouldn't come out of the dugout for batting practice. He was basically, according to these Braves players, hiding because he knew that Pham wanted to beat him up. They saw the group text that Jock Peterson basically put out memes where the Padres, Padres were looking like bumps. I forget exactly what the meme was, but it was a put-down. And again, Pham was on the Padres, so just a joke. I, I'm surprised he took it that seriously and got physical about it. But he was, according to his Braves teammates at the time, he was hiding and refused to come out to batting practice. He would fat, he would practice in an indoor cage and what? only come out on the field when the game was going to start because he was afraid he was going to get beat up. By who again? Tommy, Tommy Pham? Pham. He's on Cincinnati so, now. He was on the so Padres. So you think you, this full-grown athlete is it hiding? He's he's He doesn't want to go out for batting practice on the field because he feels he's going to get jumped by somebody? Yeah, and he did That's this season. crazy. It is crazy. I'm, no, again, I know it sounds. I'm, I'm saying for maybe he came out because he doesn't want to deal with anything. But for a guy to say that he's afraid of getting beat up by going out on the field, 
That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, the, the guy's I mean, going to run through, you know, 29 people on the other team to get to the guy and punch him in the head and, and beat him in front of everybody. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, it might not have to me, but the fact that he did get slapped in the face a month ago right. uh, makes it sound like he had a, a legitimate concern there because he, for whatever reason, I don't know if there was other texts, he thought he was going to get He's afraid of getting beat up. That's what the quote that, was from the Braves. I think you're looking too deeply into that, but that's what the Braves no, no, player no, no. said. No, the, 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 I'm not looking deeply in it at all. It's right on the surface. The, 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 plain and simple. Okay, everyone run out for batting practice. Oh, oh, not me. Not me. Sam's out there. He might beat me up. That's what you're saying. He's that's what the Braves player said, yeah. To come out onto the field to get beat up. Wow, that's crazy. And if a Braves, wow. I, I've never heard of anything like that happening. Me either. But I mean, the fact that he got beat hit, up I, by one guy. One again, on I think one. you're looking too deep into beat up. I mean, he was afraid he might have gotten hit. You, but the, the, this is what the Braves okay, player well, said. A quote. Okay, so he this didn't want to deal with it then. This is what the Braves player said. That was their quote. Yeah. And whether it's beat up or a slap, it's not much of a difference to make it a big deal. It's the fact that he didn't want to oh, go, sure he wouldn't participate in it, batting practice because he was afraid or concerned either way that the player was going to hit him. Again. That he was going to get hit again? Not again. That was He never got hit at that time. This was last year. Oh, oh, last year. Okay, he's he's going out there. He probably to me it sounds like he didn't want to go out there because he didn't want to deal with it. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, maybe he got threatened by the guy, and again, the guy did hit him. So I mean, he had a legitimate mm-hmm. concern there. Yeah. It is crazy, but that's what the, again. I just saw this last night. The Braves players, uh, some relief pitchers, were quoted as saying that <laughs> he was afraid to get beat up. That's what they said. Yep, exact quote. Yep. Wow, that's crazy, man. And basically, they use the word hide I, 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 in the dugout. He's hiding in the dugout. That he doesn't want to get quote. beat up. Yep. That's what it's Boy, said. these guys are good friends, huh? Well, they're not good friends at all. I mean, that's, that's the that, whole point. I was being facetious. Oh, okay, okay. I, I, again, and we'll ask our Padres guest if he knows anything about the whole situation, the latest, but uh, that, that was crazy. I mean, the, for Tommy Pham, who's, you know, he had a good start to his career in St. Louis. Um, not really hitting well. Nobody in Cincinnati is hitting well now, but that's crazy that he would take it to the next. And I know 10000 is a lot of money, even – to baseball players, well, maybe it's not a lot of money to baseball players. But to go to that bar in a fantasy football league, I mean, and then he called Mike Trout a really lousy commissioner. I think he called it the worst commissioner in fantasy football. And Trout wouldn't comment on it. They actually asked him about that on Sunday Night Baseball a few weeks ago. Uh, but, again, to, to hear that Jock Peterson what felt that way, and whether it's exactly that or close to that is interesting. And I give Jock Peterson some credit, though, because he got hit. Whether he was totally wrong, you don't do that. And he should have, and Pham should have gotten more of a punishment as far as the suspension. But I like the fact that he made a public plea for the Giants fans last weekend not to take it out on Tommy Pham and get, you know, he. I think he compared him, don't be like Yankees fans, I believe he said. Don't start throwing stuff on the field. But uh, mm-hmm. that was a crazy situation there. A lot of stuff involving mm-hmm. the Braves, former Braves, uh, and apparently the Padres. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk some baseball coming up. I want to say congratulations, and, and uh, we haven't had a chance yet, uh, to Carissa Moore. Uh, she clinches a top five spot. Big win in Brazil in uh, WSL League action yesterday. Current number one surfer in the world. And when you talk about number ones that we've had, you know, whether you're going back to the days of Robbie Nash and windsurfing or Carissa Moore and some of the other number one surfers in the world that we've had, man, you got to put her up there in, the, you know, in the last, say, 25 years 
as definitely one of Hawaii's or Hawaii's best athletes in Carissa Moore. Got to be in that Mount Rushmore, I would say, huh? With everything she's accomplished, right? I mean, and 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 certainly so. But I mean, you've had we've had some good football players from here, and you know, there's Marcus Mariota and um, oh gosh, who am I forgetting? Tua Tonga Vailoa, and and that's great. Neither of them are number one in the NFL. If there was a, such a ranking, Carissa Moore, five-time world champion, she does it again and again and again and again. So congratulations. And um, what high school did she go to? I kind of remember. Was it Iolani? No, no. Was it uh, Kamehameha? I was just wondering if uh, Kanoa Lehi is listening because he's got his whole Iolani thing going on in the midday. Oh, boy. We've got to have some kind of morning to midday challenge between radio shows. Iolani versus Punahou. But uh, I don't see many Iolani world champion surfers. Huh? Going back to Jerry Lopez. Come on. Come on. <laughs> it's the Sports Animals here in the morning on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. It's going to be, well, they say mostly cloudy this morning. It's probably actually, uh, they say partly cloudy this afternoon. We're already on the afternoon weather track here. High today about 84. They say breezy. That's coming up a little later on this afternoon, I guess. But it should be a pretty, pretty good day in Hawaii. I believe we have a surf report now, Tanner Hayworth. It's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast. Major League Baseball getting closer to the All-Star break, the midpoint of the season. And we haven't talked about the San Diego Padres of late, but they're having another great year without one of their star players. We're going to get some more insight on what's going on in San Diego as we are joined here by a man who covers the San Diego uh, Padres for GaslampBall.com, part of SB Nation. Leo Luna joining the show. And, Leo, I know we want to talk about this year's team and a lot that's going on, but... We were talking a few minutes ago about the situation going back to last year with Tommy Pham as a member of the Padres and Jock Peterson. Can you give us any more information on what took place with their fantasy football league? Uh, or, so as someone that plays fantasy football myself, it seems like so one of his players that was out for the week, which was Jeff Wilson Jr. running back at the San Francisco 49ers. And so when he put him out, uh, you put him on the IR on his team, um, which if players are out, you're able to do. And so he did that, picked up another guy and placed him. Tommy Sam, not really understanding the rules or how fantasy football works, accused Josh Peterson of pretty much messing with his money. Because I guess it's a big high-end lease, uh, so there's a big pot for the winner. And uh, so... And they just went back and forth during their fantasy football season. And Jock Peterson was just making fun of them because Tommy Sam did not understand the rules. So that leaked over to when they finally saw each other in person in Cincinnati. And uh, Tommy Sam went ahead and slapped Jock Peterson, which obviously led to the suspension. It was just kind of that strange scenario. Like you never, even non-professional athletes, just regular guys like like myself that play fantasy football it's uh 
very strange to see another person slap another guy over not understanding the rules of how fantasy football works. Were people in San Diego and the San Diego Padre players as well, were they upset by some of the memes and the text messages that Jock Peterson seemingly texts and maybe put down the Padres? Because that also set Tommy Pham off. What about others in the area and on the team? Um, so in the area, nobody from the Padre fans that I speak to, nobody's buying that. Um, he was not a fan favorite in San Diego. People celebrated his departure. And so when Tommy Pham said, oh, it's because he sent memes of the San Diego Padres, so everybody was like, get out of here. Like, you weren't botched into the team. You had career lows, like, it, it, it's not about the San Diego Padres is how Padres fans. That is uh, amazing to hear that. Thank you for that. And so I know we want to talk about this year, team. Yeah, I just wanted to get some more background on that. This team is having such a good season in a very tough division, the top-heavy NL West. Even Arizona much improved, even though they've struggled a little bit lately. The, I guess the big question a lot of people are wondering is when does Fernando Tatis Jr. come back? I heard about two weeks ago that he's still not able to swing a bat. What is the latest? Yeah, so about two weeks ago, he's still not able to swing the bat. Um, there's no, say, official setback. They're just being very, very careful because they do understand, you know, this this is a long season. It's not a spring. It's a marathon. And ultimately, you, you want to be at your best self, the best version of yourself in October, much like the Atlanta Braves were last season. They didn't even win 90 games, yet they were able to knock out the Dodgers who won 106. And so if you want to be the best version of yourself in October, Padres understand that situation. Is it kind of uh, unrestful for Padres fans? Yeah, of course. You, you want to see Fernando Tatis out there. You don't want him gone so long because of a mortal cycle accident in the offseason. Absolutely. But if he was able to put in, you know, the season that we're accustomed of him having in the, in the span that he's going to get, and then they're able to he's able to be a big part of say a playoff series win. I, I think it washes out everything uh, as far as him not being available all the way until you know through June at this point. Um, he has been seen uh, in the batting cages not hitting the ball, but having the bat and just like swinging off a tee without a ball being placed there. Um, so there there is video of that. Uh, so I would expect here roughly. A, Within the next two weeks or so, maybe we see him um, start doing some live batting practice or something. Sounds encouraging hearing that. We're talking with Leo Luna from GaslampBall.com, talking San Diego Padres baseball with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. Speaking of guys injured, I know Manny Machado is out right now. With what he has done so far this season, hitting 328, 12 homers, 46 RBIs, is this his best season as a Padre? Oh, I think absolutely, because coming into the Padres, he, he's always had, say, Fernando Tatis as the other star, so, and people love the young kids um, here in San Diego. But so Manny Machado has definitely been a star of his own right, but not sharing the field starting the season with Tatis, putting the team essentially on his back, considering the offense hasn't done the same production they have over the past couple of years, especially in 2020. Um, he was literally a, a, a clear-out MVP candidate for the NL until his injury. Um, so 
it's just this is definitely his best season as a Padre yet. Uh, and I and I look for him to come back and just continue what he's doing. But the most important part is the injury is not anything say like Mike Parker's injuries were where it's with his hand. Um, yes, it's in the ankle. It's not fun to go ahead and recover from that. And he's doing his best to avoid the IL. Uh, but it's something to where he'll be able to, you know, it's not really going to affect his swing too much. I would not expect. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to do this thing at third base as well defensively. As far as those two bats, Eric Hosmer doing a great job for them as well at the plate, hitting about 280. I want to talk about a couple of pitchers. And you, Darvish, is a very familiar name, especially when he came in the league with all that hype. What I've noticed about Darvish of late is ERA is down to 326, but in his last four starts, he's only let up five earned runs. It looks like he's hitting his stride finally for the Padres. Yeah, I would say the bats probably more important than Eric Hosmer would be Jorge Alfaro. If you kind of look at the catchers around the, the MLB entirely and just Take away who qualifies because obviously Alfaro sharing that time with with within the two eight. Well, he has six home runs on the year. He's fourth in all of MLB with batters minimum 140 plate appearances, and he's been a big part of their offense. And since since the past, been the catcher out there um, in all of MLB. So he's someone I'm definitely keeping my eye. on. We are keeping our eyes on the Padres, a close race in the NOS. I have a feeling it'll go down to the last weekend of the season. Leo, thanks for spending a few minutes with us talking Padres baseball. All right, thank you very much. Uh, sorry, I had to cut that short. It, it was it was struggling from the beginning on that. Let's um, um, it was I think he was talking on a speakerphone and had a bad connection, but we apologize. But um, what did we learn right there? Well, but Fernando Tatis hopefully coming back soon. Again, he's their star player. I think even more so than Machado, but he's injured a lot. And that the fact that we heard a few weeks ago he's not be able to swing a bat, as Leo said, he's in the batting cage at least, but he's not able to swing, and it could be at least a few more weeks before he's back. Right. I know they'd love to get him for the second half of the season after the All-Star break. It's amazing what they've been able to accomplish before he's even able to play with his team. So that's really big. And you right. Darvish finally doing a good job with his ERA. He's been victim of letting up a lot of runs at times. But lately, again, five earned runs in his last four starts. We didn't get to ask about Joe Musgrove, their other starter, 8-1 and one with a 2.12 ERA. So Padres are, leg- are legit. They are for real. And I think, the, obviously, those three California teams should all be in the playoffs come October, especially with the Giants oh. doing well and the Padres. Well, yeah, they're on a uh, – um they're on a three-game losing streak. They lost to Arizona. Now, they got Arizona today, the Padres do, and then they have, because they're a game and a half back of first place behind the Dodgers, they've got a four-game series with the Dodgers coming up starting on Thursday. So either that's going to be really good or really bad, or they could split. But it's a great opportunity for Padres and their fans. It's a quarter to eight year with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu celebrating today the anniversary of the iphone (laughs) it was on this date in 2007 the first iphone was sold and where would be today without your iphones it's hard to imagine life without it i mean we had cell phones before that but not to the extent of what we have nowadays i mean it's amazing and it's not that old pretty recent actually when you think about it yeah unless you ask a young person it's really old 
<laughs> right? <laughs> well, people like Tanner and Keegan, they probably don't remember life without an iPhone. Right. <laughs> back, back in the day, we used to fax each other messages. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back with them. Let's get into the NFL. That's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You're listening to The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. I'm just loving you. 747, partly cloudy today. Breezy, though. That'll be nice. Actually, the, the trade winds will hold through the weekend. It's hump day. Sports animals on the Bobby Curran Show. And, yes, we're celebrating the anniversary of the iPhone today. And, actually, it's National Waffle Iron Day. So, if you didn't, maybe you can have waffles for dinner. Get a little crazy. Waffle Iron Day. Go for it. How about this? Use your iPhone to purchase a waffle iron. Yeah, that's a great idea. In the NFL, Terry McLaurin, the best non-household name wide receiver in the NFL, has agreed to a three-year extension, $28 million signing bonus. He's going to be one of the top five paid receivers in the NFL. He's not a big name, probably just because he plays for the Washington Commanders. And offensively, they've been challenged of late. You know, I saw this list for the wide receivers this offseason. Here is some money. Oh, the contracts and the money involved is crazy. Devontae Adams, five years, 142. Tyree Kill, four years, 120. A.J. Brown, four years, 100 million. Stephon Diggs, four years, 96 million. Cooper Cup, three years, 80.1. Terry McLaurin, three, 71, three, three for 71. DJ Moore, three for 62. Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, three years, 60 million. Wide receivers are cashing in a lot. It's all in this offseason. Right. It's like the wide receivers are the new uh, rush ends, or wide receivers. <laughs> Are the new uh, are the new cornerbacks shut down corners? The value of just the, the position of wide receiver has shot through the roof in the last just the last couple of years. Yeah, and but Terry McLaurin, I, I agree with you. When I saw that dollar amount, now he was holding out. He didn't go to the OTAs a week or two ago. Uh, I'm not sure if that's exactly what he was asking for, but the Red uh, the Commanders did kind of give in and give him a big raise. I, I mean, he's not worth I mean, I know, again, market value, maybe oh, he is. You compare him to those other guys on that list? I don't think he's worth 20. You, because you don't know, we don't, and exactly that's my point. We don't know enough about him. He's not a household name, but he's a Pro Bowl type player. Uh, has he made a pro? I mean, I had him on fantasy if it wasn't last year, the year before. Everybody I know he makes a, the Pro Bowl now. Well, well, I know, I know he's had decent numbers. I'm not saying he's bad, but to get that much money, I, I wouldn't have expected that. I mean, it's, I mean, twenty three million, twenty three and a half million, whatever it comes out to. That's right. I mean, so it's a guy that makes it's it's one of the best offensive players on the team. You have to say that without many offensive uh, players that are good. Three years, three thousand yards from what quarterback? I mean, that's that. He's the, he's their number one receiver, 
Uh, doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. I mean, he's had five touchdowns a year before, four touchdowns. His rookie year, he had seven touchdowns. Um, but then again, the Redskins, now commanders, don't score a lot of touchdowns. He's a good player. He's a quality player. He's in, in the top five right now. But, Gary, it's just because he was the latest to sign a contract. You know that. Yeah, right, the right. The next guy, you know, the next guy's going to sign for more. The next guy's going to sign for more. The next guy's going to sign for more. And he'll be somewhere in the top ten, which he believes, which I believe he belongs. Now, with um, with a guy like McLaurin, Oh, I lost my train of thought for a second. Can I add something? Go, go the ahead. thing is, you say those contracts are going to go up five years and ten years, he'll be further down. And you're right, but it's because yeah. of contracts like his. Because a guy who doesn't have great numbers is getting that much, while the guy who has a little bit better numbers, now he's going to want more and so on. Yeah. I know that's the it's, system and that's what happens. But that happens. goes on. It goes on. We talk about that with Deshaun Watson. They reset the market. Yeah. At 230 guaranteed for Deshaun Watson. So, so Watson now, was good. Very Lamar good. Jackson. Oh, Terry McLaurin's good. He's a good player. He doesn't He's rank on the wide receiver, receiver list like Deshaun Watson does on the field with the quarterbacks. Say that again? He doesn't rank in the receiver position where Deshaun Watson ranks on the quarterback position on the field. I know Deshaun Watson is one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the NFL right. from when he last played. McLaurin's not one of the top five or ten receivers in the league. Again, because he's just the latest to sign. This is going to even out. It's going to even out as you go along. I remember when Eli Manning signed his new contract, he was the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. And people were saying, he 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 shouldn't be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Well, two months later, he wasn't, and then he kept moving down the list. He, he's a, a quarterback who's won Super Bowls. It's a different position. It's the most important position. For McLaurin, it's a three-year deal. I'm not sure how many guys are going to be getting $25, 30000000 in the next few years, but I imagine a few will, of course. Like you said, I know it's going to keep increasing. And I'm not, I'm not mad at the guy, or it doesn't bother me. It's just that <laughs> so every now and then, the Davis-Bertans contract comes up. I don't think McLaurin's quite like that. I just Again, he's overpaid, and that's great for him. Uh, maybe because he was holding out, they were desperate because he is their number one guy, as you said. And even mm-hmm. though he doesn't have a great quarterback, but because he hasn't produced that much, I'm surprised he got you as know much what? as he did. I'm not. I, 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 he's Again, he's a guy that maybe they see something in. Maybe since we don't see him, we don't know how many times he's been overthrown. He might be the best route runner in the NFL. There's a lot that goes on into this that we don't see in paper. So for a guy to make three years, $71 million, what does that come out to a year? A little under 24, a little under 24. Okay, so a $24 million a year for a position where the value is going up through the roof. I think it's a good move by the commanders and to lock this guy up for a few years. And, again, we see how they do it in the NFL where they don't wait for your rookie contract to be over. They signed him before it's over. So it's good for the commanders because if they signed him next year, they might have to sign him for $28 million a year or $30 million a year, whatever it is. The contracts keep going up. Whoever comes after this is going to set the bar uh, after uh, Terry McLaurin. So actually, the Washington Smart, they said, okay, do we want this guy in the future? Three years, 3,000 yards? There's probably not a ton of receivers in the league Three years, three thousand yards, especially coming, you know, that young. So yeah, five we want him. We, yeah, we want him. He's a part of our future. 
then you know what? Let's pay the guy now instead of paying more later. So I, I think it's a great move. And don't get stuck on the five touchdowns from what well, I, I just said. I am getting stuck there on that. Right on the surface, like you said earlier, it's the same thing. It it's is, on the it's, surface. It's, it's, well, that's what you said earlier when I said don't get stuck on, you know, it, he wanted. To, he was afraid of getting beat up and everything like that. You took it too literally. It is five right, touchdowns. So, it is five right, touchdowns. So. Okay. Who's the quarterback? Tyler Taylor Heineke was the quarterback for a while. Alex Smith was the quarterback for a while. Uh, I wonder how Smith. many. Play- Alex Smith has been out of the league for two years. Uh, well, he was on the team two years ago. Right. What I'm getting at, Gary, is that is that you don't have a lot of great offensive players around you. So the 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 the, the Redskins and now the what will be the Commanders haven't scored a lot of touchdowns. Period. They haven't, right. and I'll pull up a number. I'll pull right. up a number uh, as we head into the break. So it's not the receiver. He's got no one throwing him the ball. But then why is he getting all this money if he's not doing anything? If nobody's throwing him the ball, it's like he deserves a raise because nobody can throw to him, so we'll give him more money. How many receivers with five again, touchdowns a year have made again, making $24 again, it's million? Why you're not a football coach and you're a talk show host because you're looking at paper, and there's other things that go into it in the NBA draft. Well, this guy wasn't really uh, good in college. But there, 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 there's things that we don't recognize that the experts do. I don't, I don't, I can't argue with Ron Rivera and his experience in coaching and wanting to give this guy a bonus or whoever the general manager yeah. is. I know they work together very closely to give this guy not that much more money in a receiver market where the price is going to go up. Again, they played it they're smart. They gave him this money now so that they wouldn't have to later. $24 million now is a lot better than $30 million a year later for Terry McLaurin. I'm sorry you haven't heard about him. I've done my fantasy team two years ago. I, mean, I haven't heard about him. I remember him in college <laughs> at Ohio State. Uh, he was good. But I don't think two years from now you're going to have a bunch of guys getting $30 million. Maybe you will, but you're not going to get yeah, guys who put up five yeah, touchdowns a year getting $30 million. I don't think so. And I don't think they base it only on touchdowns. I don't think they base it only on touchdowns. I don't think it's based only, on, only on that, but you bring you up 1,000 yards. You have on your yards. fantasy team, and you're grading him on how many touchdowns because that's how you score in fantasy football. Well, let me tell you, Jerry Jones, this isn't fantasy football. It's real football where a lot more goes into playing, blocking, uh, <laughs> route running, you know, scoring sure. How he fits into your scheme. There's a lot that goes into it than just scoring touchdowns. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. We were talking the NFL a few minutes ago, of course. I know a couple of days ago, Chris and I were talking trying to think for a few days excuse me of nfl teams that are headed in the right direction and when i went up and down the standings from last year looking ahead to this year i was surprised that i only had a few teams that i feel are in that position right now i thought there might be more i mean you already have the powers you know the rams are going to be really good you know the tampa bay with brady is going to be very good kansas city they've already been headed in the right direction some of those teams I have a very short list, and I'll start with Cincinnati, which is no surprise, because they started headed the right direction, being headed in the right direction last year with their Super Bowl run. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going away. I don't know if they're going back to the Super Bowl, but there's too much talent on that team to take a major step backward. So I would see them as a playoff team at least. So I think they're going to continue that run. 
But other teams that I think are headed in the right direction, next on my list, Chargers. I think they picked up oh, some yeah. additional talent on defense. They were really good last year, just barely missed out on the playoffs in that last game of the season to the Raiders in overtime. And I think they're going to get – and they've shown that they've gotten better every year with Justin Herbert there. I think they're headed in the right direction. Third on my list, Indianapolis. Although I wonder how it will be with Matt Ryan, I think if they would have kept Carson Wentz, they would continue that. Because Jonathan Taylor, I don't know if you would call it a breakout year. He just had a fantastic year. You got some good receivers, and if they didn't just screw up in the last month of the season, I think losing two in a row at the end, including the Jacksonville, who they got swept by, they would have been in the playoff. I think they still are headed in the right direction with a question mark because, again, Matt Ryan is not exactly in his prime. Uh, and I'm not sure how they'll fare with him over Wentz. Wentz wasn't a Pro Bowl player necessarily, but I think he was a good fit there. And I know a lot of people are surprised uh, that Jim Ursay apparently made the decision to get rid of him from last yeah. year. But those are the three teams at the top of my list. Yeah, Jim Ursay, they just couldn't stand it. They couldn't stand it. How you, you need to beat the Jackson Jaguars to get into the playoffs. That's all you had to do. And you lost. He, 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 his, he, his head blew up. And he said, get rid of the guy. But it wasn't all on Wentz. I mean, he didn't have a good game. I forget what his numbers were, but I think no, he, he didn't have a good game. He didn't have a good game, but he, was, he wasn't a very popular guy as well. Wherever uh, Carson Wentz is gone, it's an ego uh, in the locker room. It's, he's, he's not well-loved. Not oh, well-loved at all. Seemed like he was. They, they had the in-season real um, hard knocks last year, and they were the team mm-hmm. featured. It seemed like with meetings and teammates and everything, he was actually really liked by his teammates, from what they yeah. showed at least. On TV, about it, I'm just going off of stuff I've read over the years since he's been in the league, especially with Philadelphia. There were the teammates were celebrating oh, okay. Philly, right, when right. he left Philly, with Philadelphia. Yeah. But um, I'm going to go with, you know, when you talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, and, you know, remember, they got hot in the playoffs. Cincinnati Bengals were 10-7 and seven overall. Now, the Cleveland Browns, I don't know what's going on with the Cleveland Browns. That whole thing is just a distraction. The Baltimore Ravens were devastated with injuries. I guarantee you they're going to be better than 8-9 and nine next year. So they've got to, um, in my mind, Baltimore, with what they've done in the draft and to improve their defense in uh, free agency, the Baltimore Ravens should win. That division. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals went out. One of the problems the Bengals had was what? Offensive line. Correct. They went out and fixed that in free agency, and I can't remember what they did in the draft with that aspect. So that's a, that's a good thing. And they've definitely got weapons on that team. I don't know. They've still got to, you know, maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm just enamored with the Ravens because they're the Ravens. And how can the Cincinnati Bengals be so good? But I think they're going to get challenged. By the, uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think Pittsburgh is going to win a ton of games, although when you're talking about the AFC North, those guys tend to beat each other up as well. And the Steelers still have a top defense, a top defense in the NFL. I wanted to look at teams like the Denver Broncos. This is a team that will be much improved. They've got the defense, they've got weapons on offense, and they've Finally, since John Elway has been there, have went out and got a quarterback. Drew Locke and Brock Osweiler and all of those guys, they're they're out. And now you have a Hall of Fame quarterback in Russell Wilson leading the way for the Denver Broncos. They had seven wins last year. 
I would expect they get at least 11 wins this year. Although they do play in a tough division with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers as well. It is, uh, you know, the best division in football. That's unarguable. But the Denver Broncos, I think, are going to be much improved. Believe it or not, believe it or not, I feel that the Detroit Lions, with three wins and a tie, almost four wins, three and a half wins last year, that's a great year for Detroit. I think Dan Campbell, especially the way that they've been playing towards the end of the season, and I can't remember the name of that receiver they have. Do you remember? If you don't, that's okay. Say it, uh, Tanner, go ahead. Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown. That guy is a quality receiver, and uh, I think they're starting to get some pieces. I think the bite-off-your-kneecap attitude of Dan Campbell is um, is what maybe that, that team needed. I think Jared Goff is good enough this year to get a few more wins. I mean, I'm talking maybe six wins for the Detroit Lions because the Bears aren't very good. The Vikings have not been that good. So I think that the Lions are going to actually get a few more wins. Can they beat the Green Bay Packers? Probably not, even without Devontae Adams. So I think Detroit will be much improved. I think the Denver Broncos will be much improved. And I think the Seattle Seahawks, you know what? Seattle's starting to build their defense again. I don't know what's going to go on with DK Metcalf. But I'd be interested in seeing Drew Locke as a starter for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think Geno Smith can get it done. I don't know. I I, I question the Seattle Seahawks. I was reading an article at uh, NFL.com where they think they're going to win four more games this year. In that division? that I think yes. that might be the toughest division, actually. With San Francisco, Arizona, and the Los Angeles Rams? Yeah, NFC West. I mean, the AFC West is great. Uh, AFC West, you've got the Raiders with double-digit wins last year. The Kansas City Chiefs, well, they're the Kansas City Chiefs. The Los Angeles Chargers, many feel, are going to the Super Bowl. But you look at the you look at the NFC North. You had the Super Bowl champs. You had the other team in the in the division that was in the NFC Championship game, and you had Arizona in the playoffs. You had three teams in the playoffs out of one division, and Seattle. You know, I mean, an off year, obviously. I mean, I think it's close. I mean, I think they're both really good conferences. You know, one thing I want to get you back know what? to. I, I, yeah. I don't know that you talk. I don't know. We don't know yet what Trey Lance is. Their coach, we feel here, seems to like Trey Lance. Are they going to win 10 games again next year? I don't know. Are the Cardinals going to step it up and win more than 11? I don't know. The Rams are the Rams. I mean, the Rams could be back in the Super Bowl. I'd love to see a Rams and Rams and Chargers Super Bowl. How about that? Uh, yeah, same stadium. I mean, but they wouldn't be playing the Super Bowl there next year. But yeah, that would be kind of cool. I, I would say that San Francisco, even with Lance, I rather I think they're going to have a better year than Denver with Russell Wilson. You said something a minute ago, and I know this might maybe it's debatable, maybe to you it's not. I don't know if Russell Wilson's a definite Hall of Famer. Mm. I mean, I know okay, he's won a Super we, Bowl. Let me let me let me let me get back on track and save that. Put a pin in that because we can come back to that. But what I'm getting with, you don't think that the Denver Broncos, you think the Seahawks are going to win more games than Denver? I, I, no, I didn't say that. I said, I think the, I think the division with Trey Lance, I said San Francisco 
is better than Denver. And I'm comparing the division. Arizona, I think, is better than Denver. The two bottom, well, Arizona near the bottom and Seattle. I don't think Seattle will be better than Denver necessarily. I think they'll be close. So you're basing that on you think that Trey Lance is going to be better. I think that's so much. They have a great defense. They've got a great tight end. They've got Debo Samuel. They've they've got a lot of weapons. Maybe they have Debo Samuel. I mean, maybe. I thought that I thought that he was disgruntled. He was, but apparently he's not now. He put him back on Instagram and he showed up for OTAs. So okay, I mean, okay, nothing okay. he can do for him. He's going to be there this year. Okay, okay. No, that's great. But um, I don't know. I basing it with quarterback being such an important position. I don't know how much. I don't know. I don't know if you can say this is how well a team's going to be because their quarterback hasn't who we've never seen before is going to play now the 49ers think he can play and maybe he can maybe he can't maybe he starts off slow and finishes strong but in a division that 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 tight like that i don't know that you can afford a slow start especially with the rams and the way the cardinals are headed I don't know about the slow start of that. It'll matter much. It's how you finish what their overall right, record right. is. No, no, no. You have to get into the playoffs is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And most in the NFC, you're not going to have two wild card teams from one division, I don't think. Did last year. Uh, that's true. That's true. And, again, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't that great last year. And look what they did with, that, with him just being Jimmy G. He went to the NFC Championship game and led that game late. What do you so, define as, what do you define as uh, did, didn't do that good? His numbers weren't outstanding. So if you're saying Trey Lance, we don't know about him, and will he be good enough? Well, it wasn't like their quarterback last year put up Pro Bowl numbers either, and mm-hmm. they still went as far as they did. So if, I don't know if it's that unreasonable to think if Lance can put up similar numbers because they have so much help around him. So Yeah, I mean, I could go, we could argue back and forth the next five minutes. So, But, okay, I, I understand your opinion, and uh, thank you for that. I, thought, I, don't, I was under the, wasn't under the impression that Jimmy G had a bad year. Well, why are they getting rid of him? I guess because they think Trey Lance is the quarterback of the future. I don't know. Maybe it's because Jimmy G was, um, I don't know, the Jimmy G doesn't do well in playoff games. He didn't have a good Super Bowl. He threw for 3,800 yards, uh, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He got a quarterback rating of 98.7, which isn't bad at all. So, um, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Threw for 215 yards a game or something like that. That's 254 okay. yards a game. Oh, 254, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'd, I'd take that quarter. You know what? If the Pittsburgh Steelers had Jimmy G, I'd be excited about their chances this year. Because well, that's, that's a, you know, with that defense and the weapons that he would have around him, I'd be very excited about Jimmy G. Yeah, I don't know why. You know what? I don't know why. They want to get rid of him. I think they just think that he's good, but we can do better. And the money. I don't think they think he's worth the money. I think it's over $26 million or something like that, which isn't that bad right now. But they were the ones lot. that gave him that big contract when right, he came right. over from the Patriots. Yeah. So, you know, you got nobody to blame but yourself. Right, right, right. Uh, and, I mean, if, for Pittsburgh, it would be an upgrade from what they're – at least right now, what they have on paper. Who knows how Kenny Pickett will actually be. I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in Trubisky for them. <laughs> so I think Jimmy G would be an improvement for them. But well, no. Trubisky is an improvement over uh, Mason Rudolph. Oh so yeah, probably. there you go. Yeah. So maybe maybe Kenny Pickett's not a guy that's going to you know is not a guy that um, is going to be great his first year, mm-hmm. or maybe he is. There have been rookie quarterbacks who have been great. I don't see him. 
I don't see it in him, but there have been times where rookie quarterbacks come out of the box with a big bang. And I'll tell you one thing, the offensive line for the Steelers is improving. They've got a very good receiving core. They drafted a guy named Pickens out of Georgia who can fly, and he's going to be make an immediate impact for the Steelers, they say, uh, according to Steelers insiders. And that defense is great and only going to get is, is getting better. I mean, T.J. Watt is there. Mm-hmm. I hear that uh, Cam Hayworth's brother, little brother that was a free agent, I think I don't think he was drafted, he was uh, a free agent, but he's like a tight end slash fullback. They're creating a whole new position for him. So I think we've got some excitement headed uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers' way. Are they going to win that many games? Who knows? Uh, you're talking about a rookie quarterback. The good thing about Trey Lance is he's got a great coach when you're talking about a quarterback guru, and he's been able to sit for a year. Yeah, well, I guess Brian Greasy is now the quarterback coach there coming in. Right, season. what I'm talking about is head coach being an offensive oh, okay. guru. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Brian Greasy, I have no – That's that baffles me. I didn't know that he is a uh, quarterback coach type of guy anymore in the NFL. But, you know, I mean – He's got the, the overall blueprint of an offensive success in Kyle Shanahan. Right. They, they, they haven't really missed a beat so far. So I, I think there's a lot of question marks out there, and it seems like also there's maybe, from I can remember, more quarterbacks changing teams in the offseason. And the quarterbacks that maybe didn't change teams we thought would or not be in football and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. There was a while we thought they'd both be gone, and Tom Brady was gone for about a week, but the quarterbacks that have moved around and a lot of other quarterbacks on the hot seat, then you have the young guys like a Herbert, a Joe Burrow, maybe a Trey Lance. Uh, those guys have worked out well. Quarterbacks like Zach Wilson, not so much as a rookie. Towards the end of his year, I read two articles last night. Towards the end of his career, I don't have time to Google it right now. Towards the end of the, the year, they said he did well. And they, they're not even thinking about the, the Jets drafting somebody next year after Zach Wilson. They think the Jets are going to give him a, a, a chance. Oh, I think it was this uh, mock draft that came out from Matt Miller. Yeah. This is one thing I saw here is that they feel that, okay, this is a mock, way too early mock draft, right? Yeah. The New York Jets will pick number one, which I know you don't like. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you like it, but it means, you know, anyway. Will Anderson the defensive end from Alabama, 6'4", 243 pounds. He's a great edge rusher, right? You've seen him in college. Yeah. So the question is, why not a quarterback for the Jets if they're drafting number one overall, right? If you're drafting number one overall, it's usually because you have a really bad quarterback. Um, they say Joe Douglas, the general manager, uh, isn't somebody that, uh, that panics. So... Mikai Becton didn't start off great. They stuck with him, and now he's a promising young offensive lineman. Zach Wilson, who was number two, showed promise down the stretch last season. So I'm not sure what that means, but showing promise and maybe glimpses of what he can be is something that maybe uh, you should be excited about. Yeah, I'll believe it again when I see it. But Makai Becton, actually, when he graded out his, his rookie year, I think from pro football focus, he might I think he was like the best left tackle in the NFL before he got hurt. Last year he played like half a game. 
So mm-hmm. I don't know how – I mean – I'm you, just going off of what he wrote, you heard. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that I don't think that's totally accurate, I mean, to say that about Because, again, his grades as a rookie were really good. Uh, but I th- they wanted to stay – the biggest knock on him is he's got to stay healthy and in shape. I think apparently he weighed about 400 pounds literally uh, a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Not exactly yeah. NFL shape there. All right. Let's switch gears, talk some UH football. Coach Thomas Sheffield, UH special teams coordinator, is going to join us next year on ESPN Honolulu. 92.7 FM, 1420 AM. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the YNI Coast. It is always fun talking University of Hawaii football their season right around the corner. Training camp will start on the 27th of July, first game on the 27th of August. And joining us now are the Animals on ESPN Honolulu. He's the associate head coach and the special teams coordinator. We are honored to have Coach Sheffield on the show with us. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm just wondering, now that the spring practice is concluded and you guys have looked at all the tape what is your biggest takeaway or evaluation of the special teams during spring practice uh you know well we walked into a, a situation where um we're kind of having to start from ground zero with the special teams which isn't that big of a deal because um our kids have made a really good transition through this whole process they have done a really good job of taking the techniques and fundamentals and the schematics that we're trying to teach them and, and, and they've done a really good job of honing in on those techniques and, and all those things and, and have hit the ground running with it. And so we've caught up um, pretty quickly to where I want us to be. We're not there yet, um, but our kids are headed in the right direction. And it's a testament to them and how hard they work and how well they listen um, in the meeting room and then apply what we're learning in the meeting room to the field. Do you have a depth chart after spring practice as far as the return specialist for punts and kickoffs? Uh, we, you know, we we have a few guys that we we have kind of honed in on, and we're looking at, uh, you, you know, with Zion Bowens, um, Jalen Purdue, guys like that. Um, obviously, we need speed there. Um, we need guys who can see the holes that we're trying to give them, um, and be able to stick that foot in the ground and get vertical and hit those holes. Um, but you know, again, that's it's one of those positions where. Um, it's kind of wide open right now. Um, however, you know, the most important piece that I'm trying to put together is the people in front of them, the people in front of those returners who are blocking and holding up at the line of scrimmage and doing those things to ensure that we give those guys the ability um, to catch and have a clean picture in front of them and so they can catch it and get vertical. How do you choose a special teams players? Uh, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, you know, it just depends. It depends on, um, on 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 the phase that we're looking at. Um, you know, some of it has to do with a lot of it has to do with the speed. Um, has a lot to do with how they move in space and open field space. Um, you know, certain situations like punt return. You know, you look for length in the arms, their reach um, that they have, and so th- there's a lot that goes into it. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, I always tell the boys that special teams kind of brings offensive uh, fundamentals and defensive fundamentals together and makes a complete player. And so what I'm looking for more than anything is guys who can pick up those technique and fundamentals and who can become complete football players, not just an offensive guy, not just a defensive guy, an all-around true 
football player. Associate Head Coach and Special Teams Coordinator Thomas Sheffield for the University of Hawaii joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. You can follow Coach Sheffield on Twitter at CoachSheff underscore UH. You mentioned fundamentals, and over the years we've seen different coaching staffs and assistant coaches coming in here, and they different have seemingly like have a different philosophy on what they prioritize and how they teach fundamentals. What is your main goal when teaching fundamentals with the special teams players? Cleaning up the details, right? Schematics are schematics. Um, everybody from in a special teams world, most people run a lot of the same stuff, um, you know. And so we we're trying to hone in our, on our on the little details of our techniques and fundamentals because that's where we believe um, we that's where we believe the play is won. You know, those little things that some teams may overlook. Um, we're trying to make sure that we 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 address those details. We're trying to make sure we uh, get a good handle on those things so that we can win early in the down. On fourth down, we can win early so that um, it opens up the rest of the play for us. And so, you know, our big emphasis, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams under Coach Chang, is just details, techniques, and fundamentals, techniques and fundamentals so that when it comes time to play Vanderbilt, it comes time to play Western Kentucky and all these other schools, um, we're more detail-oriented and we have that advantage on our opponent. Do you have any other potential special teams players coming in that aren't here now for the summer session and are coming in here maybe for the second session or for fall camp? Uh, not really. Um, most of our team is already here. Um, we just have a, a few guys um, that haven't gotten here yet, like a, a long snapper, um, Solomon Landrum. He's a transfer from Ole Miss. Um, he'll be here actually today. He's flying in today. He'll compete for that starting snapper job. Um, but for the most part, the team is here. Um, I'm actually watching them work out as we speak um, through my window. They're on the field getting that work in with Coach Cook, who does an unbelievable job with our kids from the strength and conditioning aspect, him and his staff. And so, um, man, we're, we're really excited about the guys we have on our team. Um, you know, we, 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 we feel like the future is very bright. We're doing everything we can to make sure that our guys are taken care of and that they understand what the message from us is day in and day out. And, again, testament to our guys, they've done a really good job of adjusting and overcoming and, and really adapting to our style of coaching. And um, they're, they've hit the ground running and done a really good job. Last year, it was kind of a tough season, you know, for the University of Hawaii with a coaching staff that is now yep. gone. When you go on the road recruiting and talk to potential recruits, what's that conversation like? Does last year come up at all? And what is the biggest sales pitch for having a player hopefully come here? Well, you know, we, we last year's last year. That has nothing to do with us. Um, you know, it's like we told our kids, you chop it up as a bad experience and move on. Um, that's life, right? And so it doesn't really come up um, with the future prospects. Um you know, and, and if it does, we address it in, in that way. It, it was a bad experience. That's not who we are. If you look at what Coach Chang has done in his first six months on the job, um, it's a complete, you know, it's a complete 180 of what it's been, I guess. You know, and I, I don't know the ins and outs of that whole situation, and, and nor do I really care. I just want to make sure that we pour everything into our kids. We pour everything into our recruiting efforts to make sure we give the right message about UH football. Um, we will win. Um, we are headed in the right direction. And, um, you know, Coach Chang, there's nobody better right now for this job than Coach Timmy Chang. And um, he put his staff together 
to make sure that we care about the kids. We got a bunch of coaches in our facility that are, are driven by taking care and treating our kids the right way. Um, you know, we, we worked really hard to learn about the culture, um, not just on the island, but about the years past of Hawaii football, dating back to the beginning. So we carry that chip on our shoulder and we look forward to um, moving it back in the right direction in all aspects of a football program, not just on the field, but off as well. We're talking with associate head football coach, Coach Thomas Sheffield, also the special teams coordinator for UH. Here are the animals on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I didn't get to meet you on Saturday, but I did see you at the XFL showcase with The Rock. And when he came to talk to the media afterwards, he was mentioning how they're trying to get a connection uh, with Zoa Energy Drink for the University of Hawaii football team. And he talked about you and meeting you and talking to you about that. Can you let us know a little bit more about the Zoa Energy Drink? Well, you know, it was something that I had when I got here. Um, I had this idea. I wanted to try to bridge the gap between UH football and somebody like The Rock, um, you know, and he's not the only one that we're trying to do that with. We're trying to get a lot of people who have a connection with this island that have a giant platform um, and, and, and reconnect them with our football program. And so um, I, it, it, the Zoa Energy Drink is something that um, is his um, and that he um, is, is kind of built um, from the ground up. And it's, you know, I'm an energy drink guy. I do not drink coffee. I, I don't know how people drink coffee, but power <laughs> to you. Um, and so hey, I. Hey, I'm hey, 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 <laughs> hey. I agree. I'm an energy guy. And so I, uh, I um, you know, I, I had done a lot of different energy drinks and I, I fell on, on, on the Zoa deal. And it was just something that I, an idea. I just wanted to see if I could grab his attention and try to get him back around the program or get him to around the program. And, um, you know, it, he saw the tweets, he saw the message that I was sending out. And, um, you know, that, that first interaction was just, you know, it was a good introduction. It was a good introduction to meet him, for him to meet me and um, kind of talk about, you know, just building a partnership with him, with him in particular, um, to get him around our kids, to get him around our program and maybe stop by here or there um, and just under, let him understand that anytime he's here on the island, um, he is more than welcome to come around UH football. And um, he is an honorary member of the Brotherhood. You know what I mean? And, and we want to make sure that message is clear. You know, what happens with the ZOA deal, I mean, may, what ha whatever happens with that is what happens with that. We have other contracts that we got to abide by. and um, But at the end of the day, he, he has – he made a message clear, I think, to all the media that he wants to build a partnership with our kids in one way or the other and support UH football. And I think that's huge. You look at his Instagram, he's got 315 million followers. Wow. And he, he wants to put UH um, as part of – he wants to build a partnership with our, our kids at U, with UH football. And I, I just – I think that's huge for where the program is headed. And I think it's a testament to – you know, how hard we're working to make sure that our kids get the things that they deserve and get the exposure that they deserve. And um, it goes back because we believe in our kids and we believe that the hard work they're putting in now is going to pay dividends in the future. 
Coach Thomas Sheffield with the Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. I can picture The Rock getting involved. He just happens to be some, ta- some reason he's here in Hawaii during a home game. Rock leads the team out on the field in those big biceps. He grabs the mic at center field and goes, Can you smell what the bows are cooking? That would be unreal. Oh, that would be that would go viral. How awesome would that be? You know, kind of like he did at the Super Bowl. You know, and yeah. we have a lot of vision. There's a lot of things that um, we want to bring to the table. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm sure he wants to bring to the table. But at the end of the day, the number one goal is to take care of our kids um, and, and, and give our kids the things that they need to be successful. Um, and, and I think that we are headed in the right direction. He's not the only one. There's a lot of people that we're trying to reach out to. There's a lot of people that we're trying to get reconnected with UH football, um, not just the people on the island, but the celebrities on the island, the, the people who have the platform to help us take this thing into the stratosphere. You know, we're here for um, we're here for the long haul, and we want to make sure that um, we we bring back the pride and passion of UH football, not just for our kids, not for our university, but for everybody um, on this island that wants to see our kids be successful. And, again, our head football coach, Timmy Chang, is the right man for the job. And uh, what he's done in his first six months is unbelievable. The excitement continues to build, and you're right about the offseason when Timmy Chang got here and the staff and fans are really looking forward to August 27th against Vanderbilt. Coach, thanks again for joining us. We can't wait for practice and the season to start. Yes, sir. Hey, guys, I love I love the animals. I love I love the name. I love the show. Anything any we can do to help, we appreciate all the good press that you give us, and we appreciate all your support. We appreciate all the support from the island. Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a fun 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 few years, and we look forward to seeing everybody here on August 27th. I want to see this baby sold out, whether it's standing room only. I want to see tailgating. We want to have a big party on August 27th when Vandy comes to town and, and we send them home with that big L. And so uh, appreciate everybody. Appreciate everybody on the island for being so kind. This place is really special, not because of its paradise. It's because of the people on this island. Everybody has been unbelievable since we've gotten here. And I just want to tell everybody personally, thank you so much. Everybody who's listening, um, please spread the message about UH football. These boys are working hard. Coaches are working hard. And uh, we're going to go put it on the line for this, this island day in and day out. Can't wait for the season to start. Coach, again, thanks so much for the words of wisdom and for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Go both, Ride or die. All right. That was ride really or die, baby. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to run through a wall for that guy. I'm fired up. I'm going to give up coffee, drink a Zoa, and (laughs) run through a brick wall. Thomas Sheffield, you're my idol. All right. That's what you need right there. That's what you need in getting people fired up for Rainbow Warrior football. Tickets are on sale, by the way. Yeah, that was really exciting and just encouraging for everything he had to say. We know the fans are really excited with the offseason. Hopefully they'll be the same during the season. But the way he presented himself and everything Timmy Chang has done from day one and his staff, you know, just thinking about different ways of getting sponsorships like The Rock and he said other celebrities. I, I like the approach. I like the enthusiasm. And I think it'll rub off not only on the players but on the fans as well. All right. You know who's got, you got to get to jump on board is Carissa Moore. Get Carissa Moore on board. Huh? That'd be you cool. want a new audience, right? You, yeah. want, you want a new audience? You want other people to pay attention? 
get Carissa Moore on board. 835 with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. It's going to be partly cloudy uh, the rest of the day. High today, about 84 degrees, but should be, I'm saying should be, a little breezy today. We'll be back with uh, a guy that did something illegal, and uh, I can picture Gary Dickman doing this. Uh Uh-oh. On ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And the Sideline Hawaii app. got some sports shorts coming up, Gary, on ESPN Honolulu. That's Gary Dickman. I'm Chris Hart. We're the sports animals in the morning on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And, uh, yeah, sports shorts are coming up. And Mark from Maui is on the line. Maui. Maui. Yeah. Hawaiian Superman. Go ahead. Hey, Gary, quick question. Uh, uh, in uh, Boston and uh, – September, I want to take in the, the New England Patriots uh, uh, Ravens game. Uh, what's the best website to, uh, me, to buy your tickets? StubHub? What, what is it? I stay away from StubHub. The, the service fees are maybe the highest, if not the highest. I go to SeatGeek for basically every ticket I buy. Sometimes Ticketmaster might have a good deal, but SeatGeek for a game that's going to be sold out, that's the place to go. Usually get a view of the seat on their site. And the service fees are very minimal, and they usually have the best deal. So I pretty much get every ticket from SeatGeek. It's an app, not a website, but you can get it, obviously, and check that out. I think you'll like it. Okay, great, great. What about going straight to the NFL website, their their own website? What about going straight to the NFL website? They will probably go uh, direct you to Ticketmaster. Yes. Uh, now, if the games are going to be oh. sold out, which a lot, especially in New England, I would imagine the games are going to be sold out easily, I would go with SeatGeek. If you can get it at regular price, uh, maybe go to the NFL.com. But I believe, I know with the NBA.com and MLB, they direct you usually to Ticketmaster. So the NFL could be the same. I would check out both. I, and I do that at times. I'll see what has a better deal for a similar section in the stadium. Okay, appreciate your help. Okay, Thanks. have fun. All right. I'm looking at just for fun. I'm looking at um, there's something called Vivid Seats. Are you yeah. familiar with that? I've used them. I had to use them for the Houston Rockets game a few years ago and one in Philly once, too. So if you go to, like, ESPN.com, that's when you click on, it'll say tickets as low as $71 or whatever, right? Yeah, right. So you click on that, and they, they use uh, they use Vivid Seats. So I'm just, I don't know, when when did he say it was going to be New England? And I thought he said Baltimore. I thought he said the Ravens. Uh, th- no, but he was, was he at, at it was New England? New England was pay, playing Baltimore, right? Yeah, at, in New England. He said he's going to Boston. It was in New England. Okay. Yes, yes. I wanted to. What I want to get at is, um, I want to see how much something like that would cost. Because if you get, I would think that if right now, there's, you know, you would probably get a pretty good deal on tickets because it's so early. Correct or no? That's not how it works. If it's new, well, New England with Brady was probably different. New England right now, you can probably get a good deal, but. The way it works, and I've heard it and I've seen it myself, you wait until like a day before the game or the day of the game and people haven't sold their tickets, well, then they drop the price. I, I had to resell a Yankee ticket last year because it was rained out. And I came back here, so I sold it on SeatGeek to where I bought it, but nobody was buying it. So I 
lowered the price a day before the game, and it sold out in like five minutes. Wow. You know, the uh, it's crazy because we, we don't look at this that much until people call you all the time over the years to ask your advice <laughs> on this. I'm looking at week uh, number three. So the um, the New England, uh, Baltimore is at New England, and it's one of the most expensive tickets that week. The only more expensive ticket is Green Bay at Tampa Bay. Aaron Rodgers at Tom Brady, right? Of course. So that's a that's an ex, that's an ex, oh that's an expensive ticket. So when it says <laughs> tickets starting as low as one hundred ninety one dollars, that's upper level. Uh, oh wow, oh wow, tickets are really expensive. <laughs> they got what they're all in the three hundred dollar, four hundred dollar, eight hundred dollar, fifty yard line. $917, but they're sold out already. But so if, if he's going to get tickets to that, he's going to pay a couple of hundred bucks for a ticket, which is pretty good. He's going to be in the upper level, but not all the way in the back, I believe. Yeah, and I'm seeing tickets for the Patriots-Ravens game anywhere from 300 all the way to 11. Now, for me, when I go, I like to get the tickets in advance. I don't have to worry about it. I hate right. having to think, what am I going to get this or not? But right. if you're really looking to save money, that's the route to go, but you could be left hanging. Right. How are you going to explain that to your family, though? We traveled up here. Now, it sounds like he's probably he's not just winging off to New England to catch a game. sounds like he's got to be there anyway. He's like, oh, let's uh, catch a game while we're here. Um, and so what do you tell your family or your wife or husband when you're like, okay, we're going to go to the game, but wait till tomorrow because we'll get the best price, and then nothing pops up. Is it possible that the day before there's no tickets or no tickets together? Ah, that's another good point. You know, I right. did that this year for the one of the few times. It was a Rangers hockey game, and the price was like 150 to 160 for a bad seat. That was like the cheapest one. So I said, I'm going to wait a month until I get there, maybe the day or two before the game. I'll get it. And they never went down. They went up a little in some areas, stayed the same, so I didn't go. And mm. that's one of the few times I've never went to a game because maybe the only time because of the price. It never dropped for that one, unfortunately. Okay, so what do you what what would you say about somebody buying a ticket from a scalper? I know what you're going to say, but I'm setting you up here. I mean, I, I have bought two fake tickets in my life. Yes. And it's the worst feeling in the world for a Knicks game and a Jets game one. Again, for me, I'd rather be secure in knowing I'm getting it from a ticket broker like SeatGeek or Ticketmaster. The scalper, you could be getting a legit seat. You might not. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to take the chance. You can do it and maybe get a better price, but they lie to you. First time I bought a Jets ticket from a scalper, where is it? 50-yard line. Oh, great, I'll buy it. It was fifth row in the end zone. The guy lied. Everybody says the tickets are at midcourt or at 50-yard line, no matter who's selling. At, on, <laughs> I went to the Philadelphia Eagles-Steelers game one, and there was nobody scalping because it was the Steelers. So at the box office, a man in a suit and tie came out, and he said, I got a ticket. It's second row, second level on the 50-yard line, $320. I can't believe I did it, but I did. It was third row in the end zone. The guy from the box office lied to me. He was he was a box office guy. He 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 came out of the box. He worked in the in the in the office. I don't know what his position was. Wow. Came out in a suit and tie from behind the door by the box I office windows. It sounds like he just snagged the ticket and went, "Okay, here's here. Okay, we see some dumb people. He said, here's a guy from out of town coming up because you're wearing your University of Hawaii shirt." He's like, "Oh, out of towner from like some like the Pacific. They don't they live in grass shacks. <laughs> I got a fifty yard liner for you." 
Don't you, isn't there some way you can check the ticket before you buy it? It was a brand new. It was Lincoln Financial Field, which I've never been at. So I didn't. I, I didn't. It was, it was getting late because I was looking to get a ticket for an hour in the parking lot. So I well, took his word for it. But at least you know what you got in, and it wasn't a fake ticket. Right, That's and it was the, the year. The, yeah. And it was the year the Steelers won their last Super Bowl. So I got the. Even though the game was like ten seven or thirteen seven, mm. it was like maybe two touchdowns in the game. But it was still exciting. Yeah, it was. All right, cool. we got to get Fire beware. Go. We got to get our sports shorts out of the way, but uh, Junior's calling in real quick. Hi, Junior. Hello. Yo. What's up, Rick? Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Hello. Oh, just wanted to say, uh, good job, guys. In the morning, you guys sound a lot crispier, so it's uh, <laughs> really good to hear you guys in the morning. Anyway, I wanted to say, as an idea for the Vandy game on August twenty seventh, why can't uh, the Stan Sheriff open up? like they did with some theaters across the way when they had uh, the UH games and show the people on the big screens the football game while, you know, and charge a little less than the uh, football game, but they're in the stand sheriff watching the football game on the big screen. Your thoughts? We, we asked David Matlin about out, that. If it's sold out, that'd be great. They are looking into that. Oh, awesome. And then you the see, last question. You, last question. Go ahead. Uh, you know, like I I told you that Bobby Dodge was the main guy that was your classmate, Chris, and uh, he's he's, a, he's big, a year uh, in front of me. Oh, he's a year in front of me. He just said that without you in the O line, Punahou wouldn't have been that tough that year. So <laughs> congratulations, Chris Hart. People are talking JV football all these years later. There you go. <laughs> all right, coming from Mr. Iolani, there he is, Junior. Thank you, Junior, for calling Thanks. in. Sports Shorts coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. Kanoa Leahy, the Iolani Show coming up at 12 noon today. Josh Pacheco at 3 o'clock. On ESPN Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on the Bobby Curran Show is what you're listening to now. Time for some sports shorts. Serena Williams, Gary, lost her first round match at Wimbledon. Wimbledon, not Wimbledon, Wimbledon. Maybe this is the end for the 40-year-old tennis star? Yeah, there's talk that R-word retirement could be in her immediate future. And it'll be sad for the sport. I don't think there's any debate that she's the best women's tennis player of all time. And there have been some greats, but she has accomplished a whole lot. And it'll be kind of sad in a way. I was hoping she'd go a lot further in this tournament, of course. Yeah. And, you know, we we are living in such a great time because there's so many greatest of all times that we this generation gets to witness from Tom Brady to Serena Williams, to Zach Wilson. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Zach Wilson. You know, I mean, we've Steph got Steph Curry, see... Kevin Durant, not Kevin Durant, LeBron, Steph Curry, Walter Payton. You know, Jerry Rice. I mean, all of these great athletes, and they're the best ever. They're the we've all of these goats. You know, we've got to witness Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus. Although I don't remember. I don't think I've ever seen Jack Nicholas play live, and it's just because I didn't pay attention to watching golf on TV for the last couple of years. But we've seen a lot of greats. Now, 
Serena was beat. Serena was beat by Harmony Tan, and there was some. I don't know if it's controversy, but I guess because she played three hours yesterday, she dropped out of her doubles match, leaving her doubles partner Tamra Korpach high and dry. An hour before the doubles match was supposed to start, she texted her and said, I'm not going to be able to play. I have a thigh injury or something. Wow, speaking Horrible. of selfish. You know, we've seen her not exactly be gracious in defeat over the years. And that, that may be an example. I don't, I don't want to criticize her too much, but that's kind of that's kind of poor and weak to do something like that. An hour before, somebody yeah. else is depending on you. Wow, that's sad. That's, that's wrong. Yeah. It's, that's rich. That's rich. <laughs> All right, don't forget, uh, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy at 12 noon. He'll probably have some Iolani guest with him. And Josh Pacheco coming up at 3 o'clock. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, Tanner. (laughs) See you tomorrow at 6.